Uh, hello, it's Tony Burgess here. Uh, you're listening to uh, Beyond the Veil, the horror podcast. Anything could happen. As you walk through the valley of the shadow of hell, you will realize that there is something ahead. Something that lurks behind the dark veil. A veil that is beyond our own comprehension. Beyond the veil. Welcome to the Beyond the Veil Horror Podcast. Beyond the Veil Horror Podcast. Welcome, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Pat's like, I don't know what to say. Yeah, just take that one. <laughs> hey, he's putting his, his pants back on. He was doing something before the show. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> oh, well, I you know what I was doing. <laughs> you maybe couldn't see it from my angle, but... <laughs> I'm taking care of some business. Well, <laughs> that is. Welcome back, gentlemen. We are here again to have a very ep- uh, excellent episode most triumphant. Most triumphant. <laughs> it's just funny because Tony talks about that. But we got Tony Burgess. Yeah, dude. The writer of Pontypool and many other books, we, which we talk about. We're doing an interview for this, so you're going to want to stick around for that. Uh, this episode's probably going to be a little longer than normal, um, but we got a lot of really great content, so we hope you stick around. We're also going to talk about the contest that we brought up last uh, episode. Yeah, dude. So you guys are going to have a little bit of time, and I'll talk about that during our horror shots. Yes, yeah, so but... open your fucking earballs. <laughs> so uh, how are you guys doing? Like, how's your week? It's been going okay. Uh, I haven't really had much work this week, but uh, that's about to change. Yeah? Yeah. We got uh, Alice Cooper's Christmas pudding this weekend. Oh, shit, dude. That's badass. Dude, it is pretty dope. What is it? Uh, it's Alice Cooper. And, so a, bunch, I, I and just, a bunch of pudding. Yeah, for everybody that doesn't know what the hell that is. <laughs> no, it's very cool, man. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, he does a Christmas show every year. He puts a wreath around his dick and yeah, spreads yeah. his legs. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you want some fake snow? I'll show yeah. you fake snow. <laughs> he, puts on, he puts on the makeup, you know, and stares at you. <laughs> Hey, who else is? Do you know who else is going to no, be playing? No, that's awesome. Again? Yeah, it's going to be um, shit. Uh, I know Corn's going to be there for some reason. The Gin Blossoms, because um, they're from here. Wait, are, the yeah, Gin Blossoms? Yes. What? Right. Well, they're they're from here, dude. So like they, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> like, sorry if any of the Gin Blossoms listen, which they probably don't. But I wouldn't care anyway, because like that doesn't belong there. No, know, it doesn't. I know what gin is. Yeah. That's more like Christmas diarrhea. <laughs> and I think Sammy Hagar. Okay. Well, see, that uh, makes uh, sense, uh, though. I know. That makes Sammy more Hager. sense than the gin blossoms. Uh, well, all of you gin blossoms fans, I'm really sorry. <laughs> right. So who else? Sorry. Uh, I'm looking right now, actually, because that's cool. the only people I remember. Because um, sometimes it's a pretty good lineup, man. Oh, okay, so Hollywood Vampires is the main act. I'm not sure if you guys know who the Hollywood Vampires are. Uh, I'm not sure, no. It's Johnny Depp's band. Oh. Oh, so uh, Johnny should uh, smell uh, like uh, vanilla spice. It's a high-profile band, but not a high-profile sound. 
<laughs> I've never heard them before. I cannot. No, I can't say either. I'm just being a dick. <laughs> but yeah, the Hollywood Vampire, Sammy Hagar, Corn, and the Jib Blossoms. And I'm sure there's going to be like uh, six billion opening acts. Right. There's going to be and where like are they going to be playing at? Celebrity Theater. Oh, okay. How much did they pay you? Because we didn't get any of this. No, we didn't. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where's my fucking? Yeah, where's our bitch? cut? Come on, dude. Jesus. <laughs> what about Showtime's you, Mike? at 7 o'clock, guys. <laughs> uh, not, be, not doing that much. I mean, uh, doing my thing. Doing my thing. Yeah. Like I said, I watch a couple movies I don't want to get massively into, but I did see the uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Oh, okay. Which I dug on. Yeah. Uh, I like it. See, we were talking about it earlier. It's the ending, like, I wanted more. I did want more. Right. I heard it's going to be made into a trilogy or something along those lines. They're going to be doing more of them? Well, I don't think it's a trilogy, like, as in a direct sequel. But they're doing more, aren't it's they? It's within the Cloverfield... Universe? Whatever? Universe. Okay, okay. Which apparently doesn't really tie together. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, 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 dug, I dug it for what it was. Sure. But yeah, I did want to see more. Yeah, they they could have easily made it into a, a miniseries or a, a, just a regular series on TV. Yeah, it was like it's like having you're getting ready to have this amazing orgasm. You're like, oh fuck yeah, oh fuck yeah, oh, and then she drives away. And she just no, she punches <laughs> you like, in the face. What the fuck, dude? <laughs> like, I like the movie. I think it's like a like an eight at least. There's a nice build to it, but like you're saying at the end, you're just like, I, yeah, I want I want more of this. It is like two separate movies, but I I think if they would have added like. 30 extra minutes to it or 20 minutes yeah. extra it would have felt like a complete movie right like, it just feels like it it's like someone cut off the end they were like sorry we lost it <laughs> we lost the force <laughs> we lost that yeah she know. drove off and all this really awesome stuff happened but we cut the end off and we lost it sorry yeah i thought uh, what i thought was cool about it is like uh it plays that john goodman is a psycho right but then once you realize oh he's not a psycho he's kind of a nice guy you're like oh okay everything gets really nice but then you realize that no he really is a psycho yeah no he plays a good psycho too. <laughs> he did a fantastic job uh the, there's one part in them in the movie and i'm not really ruining anything but you know where he gets all melty and he's oh. like reaching up in the air ducts. He it looks melting. so fake. Like he's like, oh, like it was like the cheesiest shit I've ever seen. But I'm sure John Goodman's like, I, I've never been melted or brutally murdered like that in a movie before. Uh, dude, I, I watched that and I also watched uh, 400 Days, I mentioned. The sci-fi Oh, flick. that's right. Yeah. Uh, wasn't bad. Very similar. Kind of similar. It's a bunch of these, uh, these four astronaut people. Uh, one chick, three guys. Uh, we sounds, like a, sounds like a party. A great, <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a really good movie. Sounds like what we made him watch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't remind me, dude. Oh, man. But it's basically these people going into this uh, uh, space simulation that's going to last 400 days. Okay, yeah. I remember the movie. It is pretty good. Mm. For its budget, it's not yeah. like... It's not like a ten or a nine or an eight. Oh, it's like seven, maybe. Yeah, it's 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 got its points. Six I mean, if, and a half. If you're, if you're into like... Uh, you know, sci-fi stuff that's maybe sure. doing something that something hasn't... It has like this... Uh, it has Twilight, a good twist. Twilight zone kind of twisty yeah. thing at the end. Uh, I kind of dug it. But beyond that, that's all I've been doing other than uh, drinking and uh, the standard... Uh, the uh, cocked to fist. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> cocked to fist. Are you serious? Well, we made... Uh, while you were gone, uh, yeah. he came over early... And I made him watch uh, Two Girls, One Cup. And he's never seen that before. Yeah. No. I, I, uh, how could you have never seen that, man? I don't know. But I, I, I'm glad that I made it this long without seeing it. Right. I'm kind of like disappointed in myself that it I watched fantastic. it. So, it is fantastic. It is not so, fantastic. Do not watch this. <laughs> it is Do soft not. serve. Guys, <laughs> if you want to see, see what Pat looks like watching these for the first time, 
because I haven't really met that many people that haven't seen it. I, I got to see the reaction video, dude. Dude, he, he literally almost puked. Like, I can't even tell you. Like, he was like, oh, I, I had man. to pull the trash can over. You'll see me in the video. And I'm all dancing to the happy music. <laughs> but yeah, he watched Two Girls, One Cup and Two Girls, One Finger, which is, it's like the love, uh, you know, sequel. Well, yeah. You know, it expands on the love story and the love interest and how she met a new girl. And, oh, yeah. Uh, well, what better way to show love for another woman than to vomit into her mouth? Yeah. And, and the funny thing, <laughs> this is the funny thing. There was a fucking review. <laughs> a review of this fucking film. It was literally like three pe- three sentences. Oh, dude, the cinematography was impeccable. Yeah, I didn't, dude, the, I didn't the, read the aperture it. And it. Oh, dude. I should have read it because, like, it was just ridiculous. But yeah, if you guys want to check that out, we're going to put the it's it's in the comments below. It'll be up when this airs. I want so to watch it. you guys can watch it. I'll show you ahead of time. Fantastic. But uh, yeah, check that out in the information below. We do have a special episode today. So oh. once we do the Tony Burgess uh, interview, we're going to be talking about the theme of, of the podcast today, uh, which is the comet cometh. So it's just movies that have comets that shit goes crazy with. And we've got a couple of different things, some that are not just movies. Like actual comments, not like a yeah. the, you know, comment in like a sentence. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> like, I went to the store, comment, and I also did this. Comet? <laughs> comment, comma. Oh, it was a bad joke. Oh, that is really bad. <laughs> get, get rid of it. You better, you better no. take that out. Take that out, dude. <laughs> Just leave it in there. It, it worked for me. <laughs> My God. That was really bad. <laughs> want to keep it in though <laughs> jesus christ now i know something that'll fix that bad joke Horror shots! before we do our horror shots i want to mention that we are having a contest right now a very important contest it's a very important contest it's the holidays so we're asking you to come up with two horror shots that's come up with the name there's two themes that we're going to have to you can pick from it'll be either a santa shot or a, a holiday shot it could be kwanzaa it could be hanukkah it could be fucking any kind of Lufanza, like ramadan yeah like any any holiday that takes place in december um, but we just want you to basically pick up a name, come up with the ingredients within reason, and uh, yeah. post it in the comments <laughs> of any of our social media, whether it's a Horamino, YouTube, SoundCloud, anywhere. Facebook. Shit, add us on Facebook. It's, it's so hard to get people on there. But, uh, but yeah, just to give you a heads up, if you do this and you win, we're going to pick two winners, one each week. And then we'll get you out like a, a Blu-ray. A DVD and a CD, so you'll have three items that you get for free. Two people to win. Next week we'll have you pick one. It'll either be the Santa or the holiday, Shit. and then the week after that we'll do the Santa or the holiday one, whichever we decide. Yeah. So wake up, you fuckers! Yeah. <laughs> and no refunds on the free shit. Yeah, no refunds. Yeah. All right. So like you weren't around. Me and Pat went to the store a little bit early to kind of figure out what we were gonna get, like got condoms and stuff and, and KY. You're really yeah, you got that warming one where they mix the two together. And this like it's spermicide too because that... you don't, you guys don't want to have any babies. I hope if 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 what I <laughs> well, think. Well, I all my babies on his back. <laughs> <laughs> Alex's back gets all pregnant. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like a gremlins. <laughs> <laughs> I turned away, and that's what you're talking about? 
Uh, so I would if if we were gonna call this shot, fuck. What do we, oh, <laughs> great balls of ire. I R E ire, not fire. Ire. ire. Oh, you're so witty. And <laughs> hey, man, you gotta try to be a little fucking. You know. <laughs> uh, you know, we if if we may not call it that because it's got one of your favorite ingredients. Oh, dude, really? <laughs> we might be calling this one vomit deja vu. <laughs> Fireball. Yeah. The only good thing Fireball is, is good at is uh, pouring in the toilet and flushing it. <laughs> So oh, like you ever see, it's like one of those memes online where it's like the this is how you drink fireball and it shows it like being dumped into a sink. Right? <laughs> what I'll do is just for you guys to remember, if Mike doesn't puke, we're gonna have puking in this episode. Maybe we'll just link it to the section in the YouTube uh, video where you threw up, which was awesome. You can always add uh, puking sounds post. <laughs> no, we do everything can. real here. Yes, uh, for real motherfucker. Yeah. All Save right. It. So what's in this is going to be. A third ounce of Fireball. Or also known as uh, bad high school decisions. Oh, here's another one. Peppermint-flavored schnapps, a third of that. Oh, my God. Do you have a shaker? Why don't you just pull it all into one shaker and fucking And Goldschlager? Goldschlager. Oh, my God. You got any Aftershock? You might as well put that in there, too. <laughs> you know, I should have, totally. <laughs> you, can't, you can't find it. It don't sell it anymore? I don't have uh, found it The anywhere. company who made it got, got smart. <laughs> Because, yeah, I was going to use Aftershot for the the Red Dot shot or whatever we did for Friday the 13th. I couldn't find it. I think they do still sell it in bottles, but you can't buy the minis, though. No. You have yeah, to sp- I think you have to go like to uh, Toys R Us or something to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> Toys R Us. It's it's between the plushies and the Nerf toys. <laughs> yeah, because you're going to need a plushie when your dad's found on the dr- on the floor drunk. You know? <laughs> right. I'm going to eat the cup. Where's the trash can? I don't need it, dude. I'll just throw up in my mouth nope. and swallow it back. <laughs> nope. I really hope I throw up. It's 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 it, it makes my life worthwhile. <laughs> if you could, <laughs> it's if you funny. could move the mic with you when you go into the trash can. Oh, because you want to hear it? I, yeah, dude. Oh, that's good. We could use that sound bit for the actual horror shots instead oh, yeah. of using some cheesy canned one. Yeah. Fireball. I don't know who likes it. who who actually drinks Fireball. People. Teenage girls. Dude, every time I go to the liquor store, I see somebody grabbing those little fucking ninety-nine cent Fireballs. Dude, I, who? They're ninety nine the, cents for a reason. Yeah, I know. Like, like they pay you ninety nine cents to take them off their hands. <laughs> you got like a little mail in rebate and shit. <laughs> I know. Oh god. All right. Don't smell it. Bad. I want to smell what it smells like. Oh my god. It smells like bad decisions in high school. It smells like Dick. mouthwash. It totally has the color. Oh, it urine. does. It smells like when you go to the dentist and they get like, here, yeah. swish this, uh, this, this. What, what's that shit they make you swish in your mouth? Mouthwash? Not mouthwash. <laughs> uh, the shit they put in the water that g- gives you like diseases and shit. What? Fluoride. Chlo- fluoride. Fluoride gives you disease. They're <laughs> <laughs> like, here, swish this uh, urine. All right, bring it in. <laughs> Actually, that's pretty sterile. All right, salud. Uh, salud. Salud. Drink your shit. No, that wasn't bad. It tasted like big red gum. Actually, yeah. Weird. Yeah. Yeah, that's not too bad. You want to do another one? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like looking at you guys. (laughs) I'm like, ah. But that was it for uh, Great Balls of Iron. 
Yes, very good horror shot, motherfucker. Yes. Thank you for joining us. If you drank it, you're a champion like us. And if you didn't, you suck. Bird in hell. <laughs> All right, that's it for horse shots. Now, this just in from the news. Here is the fucking news. So there's this new flick coming out. Uh, James Gunn is yeah. behind it. The Belko Experiment. Right. It and just I, got uh, put out today, which is Thursday. Just a trailer, right? Just a trailer. It. I'm actually digging on it. it it's got this kind of like uh, old school vibe to it. Plus, uh, I mean, although I do understand that James Gunn did uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, I was a fan of him prior to that. Okay. Because I loved Super. I loved oh, yeah. fucking uh, Slither. Super's awesome. Oh, it's fantastic. And even like the, what's the one he co-wrote for Troma? Oh, Tromeo and Julia. Yeah, yeah, even that was fantastic. He too. acted and wrote for that, the screenplay for that. It is fantastic. Plus, he did Slither, if you guys don't know. Which is really good. I like that movie. It grew on me. It wasn't was it, my favorite at first. Well, it's a throw. But we say it was a throwback to the, Night of the, the Night of the Creeps. Night of the yeah. Creeps, there yeah. you go. Yeah. It totally had to be an influence. So, this just came out. What did you think, Pat? Be honest. All right, all right. Well, it looks good. It's not something fresh by any is means. Is it pretentious? It's no. It's I'm not just pretentious <laughs> by any means. <laughs> well, no, you're right. It, it isn't. It isn't like a new concept per se. No, it, it's not it's a new not. concept, but it does look good. I do like most of the actors in there. Um, what was that one guy who was on Scrubs? I can't remember his name now. Doctor Cox. John Dr. C. Ginley. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to see him fucking. McGinley. Sorry, it, John C. McGinley. Yeah. Dude, oh, he's amazing. Do you I know love else that he's guy. really good in? Did you ever see a Surviving the Game? No, 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 no. He's fantastic in that. John C. McGinley is fucking awesome. He's fantastic. He's oh, probably he's awesome. the only reason that I'm watching Stand versus Against Evil. I keep saying versus. God damn uh, it. Yeah, and I have, a, I have a hard time watching that. I can't get through it, dude. It's, it's tough, but I just like him in he, general. And his character, and that's kind of cool. Like, I like him. He's, he's still kind of Coxian or whatever yeah, you Yeah, he's call just it. <laughs> cocky. Coxian. Coxian. Dr. No. Dr. Coxian. Oh, Dr. I didn't know that was his name. Dr. Cox? Yeah, that's what it was in Scrubs. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't really watch Scrubs, but yeah. I've always just liked him. Yeah, Laura, right. Laura's like literally addicted to Scrubs. I swear to God, she's going to leave me for Zach Braff any day now. <laughs> that fucking turd. Really? <laughs> <laughs> wow. You're better looker than Zach Braff. Some fighting words. But yeah, this movie's coming out. Apparently, it's being directed by Greg McLean, who did all the Wolf Creek movies. Oh, cool, dude. And he also did a movie I'm Wait, not there too... there was more than one? Yeah. There's I've like three the and a TV show. I've seen the first one. I've not seen the TV oh, show yet, though. They're pretty cool. It's like torture, revenge. Well, they're like the first one, then, yeah. Yeah. They're very much like that. The TV show is very similar to that as well, except it surrounds like a girl. But he's the director of it. Uh, he also directed a movie, I, like I was saying, I'm not too fond of, The Darkness. Oh, dude. So that one... And I, I've not seen it, so I can't say anything on behalf of it. Yeah. Now, Wolf Creek... That's a, a meteor crash site, right? Or Maybe that's what it is. I can't remember what they call it, but yeah, Wolf Creek is, I guess, what it is. So I don't have to go full circle Wolf here, Queef. people. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm open to it because I did like the Wolf Creek. Uh, but James Gunn, he wrote it, and he's also helping produce it, although Jason Bloom is the executive producer who does the Bloomhouse movies, okay. which is a lot of the James Wan or Wan films. James uh, Wang. Well, he did the Insidious movie. Like oh, okay. he produced, the executive produced that. The link below for the trailer it explains pretty much everything. But this is what they say: 
In a twisted social experiment, a group of 80 Americans are locked in their high-rise corporate office in Bogota, Colombia, and ordered by an unknown voice coming from the company's intercom system to participate in a deadly game of kill or be killed. So, and yeah. don't tell me it's 13 Sins. It's not 13 Sins. I'm just saying it's not an original idea. I'm, I'm not saying it's not going to be a good movie, because I'm definitely interested in watching it. Okay. But it's not original. You know what? You're shitting all over everyone's parade right now. I, I just right. want to see it because uh, knowing that this is the guy that's coming from Guardians right. to Guardians 2. Right. To kind of like scaling it back to a smaller scale flick. Well, James Gunn said that uh, he had more creative control over Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2 or 2 than he does this movie. Really? Oh, damn, dude. Wow. Yeah. Even though it was a limited budget is what he called it, quote unquote. Huh. And he also said that it was based off his influence for Battle Royale. So he has no like, oh, no, it's trying to be, you know, like, no, he's just like, hey, this is the type of genre it is. Right. He's cool. like, it's Battle Royale essentially in an office. And if you guys haven't seen Battle Royale, we I strongly suggest going out and watching it. Highly I recommend it. I haven't seen it for a long time, dude. Dude, I own it on Blu-ray. Uh, what else do we have, Mike? Uh, one of the things I have coming up, this isn't a huge thing, but for me it is personally. Okay. Because I'm, I'm a big fucking PC gamer from back in the day. Um, do you been PC gaming since uh, as long as I can remember? Since I had my, well, I had a Commodore first, which a Commodore 64 isn't really a PC, but I went from that to a PC. But uh, this is a Phantasmagoria Puzzle of Flesh 20-year anniversary. Oh, for the game. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, we were talking about it earlier. Uh, mm -hmm. Phantasmagoria, the original one that Roberta Williams did through Sierra, was pretty groundbreaking right. for its use of full motion video. And it was on like a billion CDs and it had a lot of gore and uh, adult subject matter. And Puzzle of Flesh was the same thing. It had sex in it, which nobody had sex in video games outside of like, you know, Leisure Sweet Larry, right. which wasn't real sex. You know what I mean? <laughs> Did you say Leisure Street? Leisure Sweet. <laughs> leisure, leisure Suit Larry? There you go. There you go. Sorry. There you go, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think I think uh, Puzzle of Flesh not only had sex, violence, graphic violence, I think it also had um, like a lot of gay stuff in it, too. Really? I think there was like a gay scene. or there's like. So she was like, let's let it all out of the box. Well, I don't think Roberta Williams didn't, didn't, wasn't involved with the sequel. Oh. She was only involved with the oh, first one. Oh, was in the sequel. Oh, okay, I gotcha. But still, it a lot of subject matter involved with this video game was like unheard of at the time. And so now they're going to be doing it again? They're uh, making a new one? Or is that what you're saying? No, it's just the anniversary. It's the anniversary. Hmm. Yeah, I saw some of the video of the the clips from it, and it was like part movie, part game. Yeah, it's it's mostly an interactive movie. Right. Which which nowadays isn't that big of a deal. Because like have Night this... Trap. You remember that oh, game for dude, Sega CD? Yeah, yeah. 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 But yeah, back in the day, though, in the 90s, that, that was unheard of. But And it reminded me of a lot of the movies like that. Not only... Um, uh, which would be cool to do another episode on this kind of stuff, like retro horror games. Okay. Like Phantasmagoria, uh, The Seventh Guest. You ever played The Seventh Guest? Nope, nope, never. I haven't played that. <clears throat> oh, dude, that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, it's another groundbreaking one that ha nobody had done before. How about the Dark Seed? No. No. Dude, Dark Seed? No, never. Dude, H.R. Giger did all the artwork for Dark no Seed. No shit. It's this, it's this video game about this guy. He has a, It opens up with him getting an... Maybe I have heard a, a, of that. An but alien embryo injected into his brain. And then he wakes up in this house and he has a splitting headache and he starts, you know, faltering or not faltering, but moving between this reality and another reality when he walks through this mirror and the other reality is like an HR Giger world. Holy shit, dude. What's that game that you we've been watching? Is it called Agony? Is that the one? Oh, Agony. And there's another one called Scorn, which was based on the artwork. That's of right. Geiger. Okay. Or Giger. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> Don't punch me. 
Yeah. <laughs> what a dick. But before we move on from this Phantasmagoria, if you people remember that Marilyn Manson was supposed to be directing a movie called Phantasmagoria. Phantasmagoria, The Visions of Lewis Carroll. Okay. And when is it? What What about it? Well, it, it came about in, what was it, 2004? Yeah. yeah. And then it's been kind of been in production hell ever since. But in a recent uh, AMA, Marilyn Manson had said, <laughs> well, I think a lot of people think that I made the film because I made the trailer for it. But he had said since then, since writing the, the movie, that it said it caused him such damaging to damage to his psyche that he decided not to do the film. <laughs> Is it damage to his psyche because of the content or damage to his psyche because he's just a dumbass? <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. So I used to be one of your biggest fans, but you really have lost it, brother. Well, he's, you know, portly. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like uh, Bailey Manson. I remember seeing the first. But as of 2015, it seems like it's coming back on tracks now. So okay. maybe in the next year or two, we'll be able to see the film. Interesting. Well, there is some other news that I found. Actually, Mike found this. Uh, it was the Blood Machines. Oh, yeah, dude. The Kickstarter oh, for dude. Blood Machines. If you guys aren't familiar, there's a, as a, a guy who is a producer who creates, I guess it's kind of dark synth, synth wave. Right. But it's a group called Carpenter Brute. And it is essentially like this new, like, retro 80s sort of dark wave. pastiche style of uh, music. It's called Dark Wave, Synth Wave, Dark Synth, whatever. Right. But it's essentially kind of like mixing like horror and 80s music all together into like electro. He, the guy who wrote the music, um, got a, a video done for him called Turbo Killer, the name of the song. And these two French directors actually put it together and made it. And it is fucking amazing. Like, it is just blow your mind fucking beautiful visuals. And like, I don't know. It's just everything you'd want to see. It's kind of like watching Kung Fury or something yeah. like that, but way better. Right. Like, way better. Like, I can't even ex- describe to you the level of fucking amazing this is. Although I will say that a lot of the stuff, he seemed like he had borrowed from other films. Okay. Like, remember the ship with the fucking hover sure, panels? Sure, whatever. They totally look like the fucking Nebuchadnezzar from fucking Matrix or something. Well, they're trying to get some money for this Kickstarter. I think it's like 80 grand. Right. It's a which lot of money. They're already at like... Tw- Actually, let me take a look right now. I guarantee you they're going to hit it. That's crazy. 100% they're going to hit it. And they're going to go over. Uh, it's about $19,333 out of 79524 that they need to raise. I'm going to give them some money just because I want that vinyl. Well, they have 382 backers and 34 days to go. This literally got posted today. I think it's pretty cool. Blood Machines, Turbo Killer 2, technically, oh. with Carpenter Brood and these two directors. It's uh, The Kickstarter link is below. So check that out. Give it a whirl. Also, I wanted to bring up Sigourney Weaver. We were talking about Alien Covenant. Oh, yeah. Pat brought up uh like some random guy on the internet made a script for the alien sequel okay so like Which the is third not a movie guy by the way this is just something yeah. I, I pulled from my memory of it it's something i skimmed over but uh it's neil blomkamp he actually wrote the aliens direct sequel he's the one that did district nine yeah for and sure. all the fucking other crazy fucking alien movies chappy he's definitely yeah chappy <laughs> that was such Which... a good movie the night night stick remember that i don't think it was a 
great movie. I think it was a good movie. It was a, well, not a great. Okay, I never good felt movie. for. I have never felt for a robot like they made me feel for that robot. Right when they beat the shit what out about of it, Johnny Five. Like Johnny Five is alive. No, dude. When they beat the sh- <laughs> when they beat the shit out of that, We're I was Robocop. like Johnny Five, like five years old again, or whatever the fuck I was. Right. Sigourney Weaver has chimed in since the new movies come out, and it's looking like the sequel, the Aliens direct sequel that Neil Blomkamp well, this would is direct. Pretty much the movie that launched her career too, right? But she just came out because of all this, and she said, "I hope that Neil Blomkamp and I will eventually get back into it." He's written a wonderful script. I look forward to finishing Ripley's story. Oh, cool, man. That's awesome. So, Very cool. They're not saying that it's going to happen, but, you know, she's got some she's got some clout. There's so much. Like you said that there's a Prometheus sequel. Yeah. And then there's the Alien Covenant. So when is that going to come out? In like the next seven years? Yeah. I'd be interested to find out what Wrigley Scott's thinking about the next... Because I haven't heard much about Prometheus 2 in a while. It'd be interesting to see what Neil Blomkamp does with it. I would love oh, to yeah. see what he Yeah, for I sure. I haven't read the script or anything, and I wouldn't want to anyway, to be quite honest with you. I could probably get it for you. I'm just I don't want of, it. <laughs> I'm just I don't want to see it. I'm curious of how you know, Wrigley Scott feels about it. Does he want to continue with Prometheus, or is it was such a, you know, a box office failure that he's just like, he's going to put his hands up and be like, oh, whatever. <laughs> We got a new teaser trailer for the Universal uh, oh, the Mummy reboot. Yeah, I've not seen it yet, but from what you from what you say, it sounds like dude. All you have to know is uh, Tom dude. Cruise. Yeah, it's gonna be amazing. It's gonna <laughs> Tom, be amazing, guys. Tom, Tom, right. Tom, Tom Cruise. Cruise is gonna be in it. It's gonna be a fucking fuck, amazing. dude. Fuck Tom Cruise. I don't mind Tom Cruise, but I just don't. I don't think this movie needs to be made. And and what they're doing, I looked at the people who are going to be involved in this movie, and Tom Cruise is going to be in it. Russell Crowe, Russell uh, Crowe yeah. is also going to be in this movie, and he's going to be playing Dr. Jekyll. Yeah, that makes sense. So, no, no, but think about this for a second. Why would they have a guy named Dr. Jekyll? Because they want to they get rid of, for that sh- that movie to come out for, so they can make one of it. They're, they're playing the, uh, the Marvel Universe thing. That's exactly yeah. what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're going to take the Universal monster and turn it into Marvel. I yeah. guarantee you. Yeah. It's not going to work. Why would they right pick now. a side character like Jekyll? For Russell Crowe, who's like a big actor. Because they're trying to sell tickets. They're, yeah, but they're going to do something. But what's lame is that we already kind of have this anyways with Penny Dreadful. Right. But it's yeah. going to be a CGI fuckfest. It just looks like it's straight CGI. There's, it, it seems I don't like know. it's going to be hollow. I just want a two-hour uh, clip of doing... the, the mummy taking its wrappings off so I can slowly <laughs> see its penis. I just, just, even without seeing a teaser trailer or a trailer or anything, bad idea. Yeah. It's just bad. Like I, it's about. It's gonna happen, but it's probably. And I'm not trying to go on the remake suck trap. You know, like I'm yeah, not yeah. trying to do that. I'm trying to be open to it. But it just from what I've seen and what they it looks like they're doing. Horror movies are so big right now, dude. We're in a huge era of, of fucking horror, man. The mummy needs to be dark. It needs to be atmospheric. It needs to be. Something that sucks you in. Not right. so much like, oh, look at that cool fucking explosion. Fuck that. Well, the trailer's coming out. It'll have come out t- yesterday for you guys listening. So is it called The Mummy? What's it going to be called? Yeah. Didn't we have that with Brandon Fraser? Like, in the <laughs> yeah, well, actually, the guy that helped uh, produce that movie is going to be involved, too. Uh, as well as a bunch so of other people. To expect people. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, dude. I'm bad, not interested. Bad CGI and a corny adventure. Brandon Fraser's actually going to play the mummy. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's probably going to be the alcoholic guy in a corner. Like, they just, like, pass by and don't even give any film time to. <laughs> <laughs> then he complains <laughs> to his agent. He's like, what about Monkey Bone? <laughs> <laughs> what about Monkey Bone? 
You mean the movie that killed your career? No, yeah. my bone! <laughs> no, I meant Blast from the Past. <laughs> All right. That's it for the news! That's the news! So typically we do new releases in this segment, but we have a very special guest on our show this week, none other than Pontypool writer Tony Burgess. He's written many other wonderful books. Uh, he's also written for a lot of screenwrites for movies. Also, just to give you guys a heads up, uh, there is a fully uncut version of this. So if you want to listen to that, it's on our YouTube channel and you can follow the link below or you can listen to the trimmed down version of this one through the cast. But either way, check out that interview right now. Hell yeah, dude. Hey everyone, we're here today with writer, screenwriter, actor, and musician, Tony Burgess. Welcome to Beyond the Veil Horror Podcast, Tony. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Thank you so much for coming on. It's a huge honor to have you here. Um, I really just, uh, I want to pick your brain about a lot of things here. First off, I guess the thing I want to ask you is, where do you hail from and some of your beginnings? Uh, I was born in the West End of Toronto. I'm probably about 130 years old, I think. <laughs> and uh, 129, and at least. I don't know. Spent my uh, little little bitty years in the suburbs of Toronto, and then when I became a teenager, migrated to you know the downtown core, and uh, uh, came up through the 70s in uh, most, largely through like you know punk clubs and artsy type. Uh, Nice happening things and Hunt then clubs uh, really, yeah. And well, we you know, it was Toronto was had a big scene in the late seventies, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know, I mean, my friends, we sort of came up through, you know, formed a bunch of different bands, and they'd fall apart and abused ourselves terribly, and and uh, then <laughs> I moved up here. Uh, I'm a couple hours north of the city now, but twenty years ago, I guess up uh, on the uh, edge of Georgian Bay, and I've lived here for 20 years, a couple of kids, wife's a uh, crown prosecutor, and I've just been making shit up every day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you have been pretty involved with a lot of different types of creation, I guess you should, I should say. I mean, which which was one of your first interests as a child? Like, what what really grabbed you? It was clearly to me. It was paint. It was it was uh, visual art. It was drawing and painting, and that's uh, what I went to uh, college for, and went to studio school for, and had some shows and galleries and stuff when I was uh, my early twenties. And that was what I and, and I used to write just to kind of supplement the uh, the visual stuff. And you know, naturally, it would kind of branch out into. Uh, Music in, in clubs because all the, uh, the art the the art galleries and the and the club scene were very tied together. They came out of each other, and I was sort of ping ponging around there <coughs> with that. But then I, I uh, you know one of my first big hiccups was when uh, I realized that when I was painting on these big giant fucking canvases with like you know and uh, I would uh, was getting way too uh, intoxicated. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I had to kind of, uh, I had to dry out, 
And that's when I decided, you know, maybe it's quieter if I wrote for a while. Understandable, and, yeah. And I kind of developed that. And in fact, I've never, I haven't painted since. Really? Is, yeah, and I think about it all the time because that's, I was good at it. And uh, yeah, now I, I don't see it, I don't feel in, interior-wise, I don't feel a great difference between, you know, writing a book or uh, cutting the lawn. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, you paint a mental picture when you write, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's always been the same set of ideas and the same project. They're continuous with each other. And, uh, you know, I, I, I like the, I, I really do like to sort of go in and challenge myself to do something I have no idea formally how to do it. Right. And that was the, the way with, with Pawnee and how I started writing screenplays. No fucking idea. And, you know, you sit down with people who do know what they're doing, and they're offended. But, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I just sort of, uh, I, I like sitting down and trying to start it as if it's never been done before. Right. I'm the first person that's ever going to do this. And that's kind of from a naive place, from a kind of energized, you know, ch ch almost childish freedom I give myself to do it exactly the way I, I fucking want to do it. And nobody has ever done it before. Sometimes that is a disaster, right? And other times, you know, you 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 can kind of uh, uh, change the form, change the form. Well, when you sit there and focus on something for any period of time, it can either drive you crazy or be an epiphany. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Like right now, for me, it's odd. This sort of late, late, uh, late in my life. What, like one hundred and seventy? Late in my life. <laughs> uh, music thing, right? So yeah. Got, and, and it takes up 90% of my time. Yeah. Kid, my poor kids look at me and are like, Dad, you know, this is when you're supposed to be, you know, sitting at your desk with a pipe and a cognac or whatever and <laughs> having your boys over to play cribbage and you're, I'm fronting a, a punk band out of a garage in fucking Stainer. What, can you tell us a little bit about that and what kind of style of music and what, what type of things you like to sing for that? Well, it was sort of a weird or, you know, uh, came out of a, a, a strange thing. I'm living in a small town. I don't know how to survive a winter in a small town because I grew up in a city. So I just started, uh, I, I, I picked up a newspaper. I said, I'm just going to join anything. You know what I mean? I'm going to, if it's the Christian baseball league, I'm going to pitch. If it's, <laughs> you know what I mean? If it's the moose club, I'm going to be a moose. And the first thing that I came upon was that, uh, auditions for Oklahoma. Okay. And it's like, so I pull on my mucklucks, my fucking big hat, climb my wife's, where are you going? I'm going, I'm going to try out from Oklahoma. Because <laughs> I, you know, I, <laughs> I can't handle it anymore. And so, uh, uh, I, you know, I, I, I went and I sang an Elvis song because it was whatever. And then, you know, read a couple of lines and I said, you know, just, I don't care what, just, I just go, I got to get out of the house. Give me a job, uh, uh. You know, I'll, I'll check coats. I'll do whatever. So I get home, and my phone rings like five minutes later, and they give me the freaking lead. <laughs> wow. They give me the lead in the thing. I got like seven songs I got to sing. I got to memorize 60 pages of dialogue, and I'm freaking out because <laughs> I really, you know, I, I, I did some screaming when I was in my teens, but I don't really know how to sing. And you know, <laughs> it's just like way too much. I couldn't sleep for a week. Anyway, so <laughs> I ended up getting kind of caught up in that. And, you know, I didn't do too bad of a job. 
Uh, but they kept hiring. They kept they kept giving me the leads in all these musicals in, you know, in Guys and Dolls, and it was a blast. Like I, I had a riot, and it changed the way I wrote, and the way I wrote characters, and the way I felt about being in character and out of character, all kinds of things. It was fantastic well, experience. You've, you've said uh, quite a few times that you are kind of a fan of horror, and it's obviously shown in your writing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, is there any kind of particular films? And it seems like you're really into this like the psychological subgenre of horror. Right. Um, is there any films that you would say that kind of had an impact on you? Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, from a very, very young age, I was addicted to horror films. Okay. And, uh, it, I had a very, a very strong connection with them. Um, I was, as a kid, I remember being terrified a lot. Sure. I think being a kid is a terrifying thing. And uh, everything scared the shit out of me. My parents scared the shit out of me. The airplanes that would land just beyond our house scared the shit out of me. Going to school across Western Road with no fucking lights scared the shit out of me. <laughs> uh, you know, the whole world was terrified. I think that's, you know, that's a common experience. And so I, st- I couldn't, I found that, or, or I found that in horror films, that, oh, that's, you know, Somebody else, something else is is as scared as me, and that's this person screaming in the corner while the wasp comes at them, or whatever. Eloquently put, yeah, eloquently put, yes. <laughs> and that that's me right there. You know, I'm the wasp. I'm the wasp. Uh, uh, I'm the person being attacked by the wasp. But uh, <laughs> and so very early on, I mean, uh, you know, films like that, Wasp Woman, for instance, um, uh, all of those great black and white sci-fi's uh, from the fifties. Uh, uh, and there's so many of them, uh, Creature of the Black Lagoon. Sure. Uh, that 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 just sort of felt like they just creeped into your your head, and I couldn't shake. I'd watch them late at night, and I wasn't supposed to, but I did anyway. <laughs> and I couldn't shake them. I, I it, days on end. I could. I remember Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte. I was just skinny and shaking for days after seeing that at like midnight by myself. And uh, The Haunting of Hill House was another one sure. that just completely floored me. I didn't want it to uh, keep going because it was taking me to this, such a terrifying place. And it was, you know, it, it became kind of like, you know, and I collected the hunchback models and the Dracula models and the glue. And that was the other thing was like, because back in the day, you had those plastic glue, glue model kits, right? With the paint and everything. Right, yeah. It was toxic as shit. <laughs> so I'd sit there, you know, all day long, like with my with my uh, hunchback and the creature La Black Lagoon and Frankenstein, or whatever. And I'm glue happy, right? I got glue there. <laughs> essentially I'm, huffing glue. Oh yeah, and I'm nine years old in my little room, <laughs> the shit out of everything, and then painted with the toxic paint, and then and I'd lay them on the floor, and I'd go to sleep and start hallucinating like mad. <laughs> Waking up like with actual, you know, Bella Lugosi standing at the end of my bed, like just glaring down at me. I'm not kidding. And the Gorgon, I remember the Gorgon floating. Gorgon, oh wow! And it was it was the glue. Yeah, it was the glue that made it all kind of like glue induced night terrors. Well, yeah, and it, exactly. I can remember many nights where my my you know my mom would come down and I'd be gasping on the floor. Because I'm in doing battle with you know the Gorgon or whatever, <laughs> and it was the glue man. <laughs> so it was a happy, a happy, you know, a happy and unfortunate <laughs> thing that I discovered glue at an early age. 
It was my gateway drug to the ether, probably. <laughs> well, and obviously, it shows in some of your writing. I mean, you've written some some pretty interesting uh, ideas in some of your books. I haven't, like I said before, I haven't been privileged enough to read all of them or anything. Yeah. But the writing style that you have and all the books that you have have sort of like this very dark and kind of disturbed explanation of what's going on in the mind. And, well, that's, and yeah, that's a, there's a couple of reasons for that, and I'm consciously doing that. And one of them is, and it goes back to those early days, but it extends further up into films like the Herschel Gordon Lewis films and uh, okay. uh, films that are now very popular, like Phantasm and um, mm-hmm. uh, Sleepaway Camp and uh, a bunch of other ones, even the first Evil Dead. But this, uh, you know, encountering them before they became pop, back in the early VHS days and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And what used to, bo- not bother me, what used to disturb me more than the thing that's on the screen because they're generally kind of technically incompetent films. Okay. Like the, I, there's no lighting, the lighting's terrible, uh, the acting is bizarre and stagey and wrong, and the scares aren't really scary, and the effects are obvious and all that. But what used to disturb me was thinking about the person making it. Okay. And that their desire to see this exceeded their ability to show it. That makes a lot of sense now. And so then something like Driller Killer, for instance. Okay. Early, uh, what's his name? Uh, Abel Ferrero film. Is full of all of the the psychosis of the film is behind the camera. A a, a toolbox murders or whatever. Why are we lingering here? And you're trying over and over again to squeeze blood out of of something. You know, Herschel Gordon Lewis is the greatest for that. Color Me Blood Red, all of those films, which are, you know, now I guess that's considered repellent and, you know, not worthy of talking about because when he died, I mean, nobody really seemed to want to call him much of a filmmaker. Oh, maybe seems he was. like a lot of people actually, I mean, yeah. recently, because this was just about a month or less than a month maybe, ago, right? Maybe I missed, maybe I missed that then. But uh, yeah, th- that was the thing. And, and so in the books, I, I consciously derail the kind of natural narrator's ability to tell the story because that narrator is, has desires that he doesn't want to share with you exactly because they're horrible. Interesting. And so it distorts the story. It breaks the story. It, it, you know, it's almost, well, and here's a really kind of uh, backdoor way of getting at that. The, the French novelist uh, Jean Genet okay. wrote Our Lady of the Flowers in prison, and it was a book that he had never expected anybody to ever read. And it was actually a a series of erotic vignettes that he would masturbate to. Oh, man. And so after he's climaxed, the story falls apart, and then it starts to gel in a different way. Characters' names have moved off from other characters. Genders have changed. And then it starts to mount again. And so if you don't, don't know that, all you know is that you've got this thing that is apparently obeying rules that you're not privy to. Right. And the rules are that this guy is jacking off in jail. <laughs> <laughs> and to, to me, that's just 
extraordinary and beautiful. Oh, it definitely makes the material seem way more interesting, I'm sure. And I mean, and that goes, you know, you see that in different odd places, like in uh, Charlotte Bronte, uh, a novel not a lot of people read or talk about, called Shirley. Uh, It's a 400, 500-page book. And (laughs) during the writing of that, her sister Emily died, her brother Branwell died. uh, and, And about a third of the way through the book, people start getting these bizarre sleeping illnesses where they're sort of laying around and the story loses its its threads and becomes just this strange foggy place where people are uh, sort of dying ghost-like and then being reborn and there's just this misery all over it and Critics typically say that it's a what they call a problem novel that it's not it doesn't work it's not a successful novel like like a Jane Eyre or something like that because it doesn't follow their regular rules it doesn't, it doesn't have a, for, a, a, a structure that, that works and it, and right. you don't know what's going on um, by the time you're at page 120 you don't you don't know what's happening it's because it's become so bizarre and there's a dog bite that apparently there was a dog uh, while she was writing it that bit uh, somebody and somebody got rabies and and you have these these real world things intruding on the book as it's being written and making it almost unwritable at different points. I mean, that's t- totally fascinating and, and something I, I'm aware of, of doing. Uh, you know, when I was saying earlier t- to you about, you know, w- what is the thing that you're referencing in the book? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's those kind of autobiographical breaks that can sometimes be the reference. And the re- reader may not know what you're talking about. Almost kind of like gonzo journalism, almost. A little bit, yeah. yeah, yeah I'm, I'm a fan of gonzo journalism, for sure, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it seems like you get a lot of uh, interest into those types of things, but you also, and I'm sure this probably has to do exactly with your what you're talking about, because you said you moved about 20 years ago up north into a smaller town. You kind of are really uh, intrigued by smaller towns. And, uh, and a lot of the writing that you have done, like, uh, what was it, uh, Hell Mouse of Budley. Budley. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Pontypool. I mean, there's also the yeah. new one, the Cashtown Corners. Cash so Town these are Corners. all small towns. Yeah, Cashtown Corners is five minutes down the road from our house here. Mm-hmm. And Veda, another book of mine, is just up on the mountain over here. It, well, I mean, what, what happened with that was when we were uh, back again, teenagers, me and, the, me and my friends, we used to uh, leave town on a Friday. And uh, we would just like hitchhike out of town. We would have sacks full of dope, and we'd be all fucked up. And <laughs> and, and we would leave town, and, and uh, they become these bizarre little nightmare journeys that would last for a few days, where we would find ourselves stealing boats on Rice Lake, and then breaking into cottages on an island, then getting chased by cops to a barn, and then this and that, and then we'd find ourselves, you know, with, I've lost a shoe, and I, I, I don't remember what happened yesterday, and, and my legs <laughs> burnt because I was stuck in a fire, and these weird, like, you know, bald, bald children chased us with axes, and, and you have these kind of, like, strange nightmare experiences, and then at some point, you're going to go back to the city, and you know, start your miserable life up again. Uh, you ha- it just felt like uh, a bit like these were d- dreamlike nightmare things that happened. They weren't part of the real world, right. and the real world was here in the city. 
uh, and this unreal place, this dream place, was outside of the city. And we would deliberately go out and f- fuck up. Eventually, that became kind of terrifying because we would, uh, I did especially, you know, you walk away from a job, from a relationship, from a, a lease or whatever, and uh, wind like up. Leash on the world. Yeah, and you're four provinces away, and it's two weeks later, and uh, <laughs> 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 and so it was like stepping out into a, a kind of psycho- psychological landscape that. That's interesting. Over. I've had experiences it's, like it, that. It became, yeah, it became the, the the town of Butley, which we spent a bunch of weekends in, had all of these really weird, fragmentary, you know, nonlinear pieces, moments. Uh, that I was obsessed with. And then funny, uh, it got published and the, the publisher said, well, let's make it a two book deal. So you, we'll do, you know, write another book. Okay. Uh, we need a photograph of you, uh, of, you know, author photo. Okay. Okay. And then I said to, um, uh, Rachel, my, my girlfriend at the time, my wife now, uh, let's drive, let's take a drive out to Butley. Haven't been there in a long time. Let's go to Butley and we'll take a picture of me standing on a dock, you know, in Butley. So we took off, uh, went up the highway, blah, 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 got lost, got turned around, came back, and the sun's going down. I said, oh, fuck it, just pull over here. Nobody knows what, you know, there's a tree. We'll call it Butley. We'll say, here's the author in Butley. I don't know where we are, but, you know. So I stood by the tree. We take the picture. I get back in the car, and as we're driving away, there's a sign that says Pontypool. That's and I, okay. And I said, well, then I owe Pontypool a book. Yeah, see, I heard about that. Well, Butley, right? Yeah. And in a weird way, that was kind of started the idea of the language virus for me, which was a misreading, an incomplete misprision, a misreading of the place by its name. So Pontypool is Beauty, Beauty's Pontypool. And it started a kind of, you know, it, it, it's a loosely thought concept initially. Okay. Uh, that it was a misreading and uh, uh, that caused this crisis in Pontypool, that it was being mistaken in a photograph. Just recently, like within the last couple days, didn't Cashtown Corners, where the the actual original book, People Live Still in Cashtown Corners. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's getting picked up for a feature film, right? Yeah, it's some big news on that. Uh, uh, (coughs) Tyson Carlson, uh, filmmaker who lives three hours north of here, and we have we we didn't know each other, but had lots of connections. Actually, funnily enough, through music, he would, was a fan of uh, uh, Left by Snakes for quite a while. And, you know, I I dug that, and I thought, well, that's pretty cool. And uh, uh, he he made a short film called Stillborn, and he uh, you know he asked me if I would look at it and whatever. And so uh, he sent me a link, and it was, it was stunning. The guy knows how to make a picture; it was great. And uh, so I had the the option on Cashdown had lapsed. It had been held by a couple of different people, and it didn't get made. And so, you know, everybody, you know, and he read it, and he was a fan of it. So, like, you know, I said, go, man, it's yours. And uh, he's very excited. I'm very excited. And he's got, uh, you know, he's sort of plugged in up there uh, with a lot of talented people and, you know, has the ability to make to make, uh, to make it. So I'm hoping that uh, sometime in late next summer we're talking about and what I'd really like to do is shoot it at Cashtown Corners. That'd be amazing. Uh, and it's it's doable. You know, it's like five minutes from here. Nobody lives there. Nobody's going to stop us. <laughs> you just have to pay the store, right? 
Well, I think so. And maybe not even. I mean, you know, we, we make, make a lot of films around here. And, and uh, generally, you know, if, if you're friendly and you're up front, you can shoot anywhere. That's pretty nice. Yeah. 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 Yeah, they're real strict down he's, here, I hear. So. He's a great guy. He, uh, uh, it's terrific. You know, I, li- I like finding new people, working with new people. It's always exciting. My last book, The End Body Problem, was kind of about a, that, your body blowing oh, up. Oh, I'll have to read. Yeah, I saw that one. I haven't. I'm, I'm interested in picking some of these up now because I've been getting back into reading because I've been such oh, a, yeah. end a body, end film body buff. It's a lot of fun, man, and it's, I, it's my favorite book. Really? Okay. Yeah. A fellow named Kira Kire Paputz is has optioned it, and he's written the screenplay, and uh, fantastic screenplay. And uh, he's got some people. I think there's some something going on with that in the next year or so. Really? Okay. It's, it's a completely repulsive book, though. Uh, well, then I'm, I'm I'm open to that kind of thing. Oh, I've no, read uh, no, some pretty no, crazy no, stuff. The ed- the editor <laughs> the editor after. Uh, she finished with it, had to spend two weeks in bed with bottles of wine. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's completely disgusting. And, and it's funny because people either throw the book, you know, away within pages or read it in one sitting and, and you know, really dig it, which is the best thing for me. I like that a lot, you know. That it affected rather, somebody that way? I'd rather have somebody, you know, give it one out of – 10 stars then give it four (laughs) (laughs) so uh but anyway yeah key rays make it so lots of shit's going on and uh uh yeah well you have this duality with film like it just seems like and it makes sense because i mean you told me that you used to paint um and seeing your words come to life is kind of like a painting in a way yeah Uh, you did uh you wrote for um what was it the septic man which I watched, the Hexecutioners. I actually watched that last night. Oh, did you? Yeah, I did because I was curious. I was like, I didn't even know about this film. These are these strange films I did with these guys who live five minutes away. Really? Like it's just a completely bizarre thing. It's a little bit again, like you know, uh, uh, walking out your front front door and finding you're the lead in Oklahoma. Because <laughs> <laughs> these guys are making these. These small films, but they're ambitious as hell. You know, they're, uh, they want to make, they want to make, uh, you know, uh, they make one or two films a year. And mm-hmm. uh, my only issue is just from a development standpoint, but, you know, it's a, it's a weak complaint because, you know, usually your complaint is that, my God, this has been in development for three years. Can we just make the goddamn thing? And with <laughs> these guys, they come to me with an idea three weeks before we shoot, right? Wow. And we go, you know, there's something very appealing about that. Right, you just know, going it's for it. Rock. It's very garage. It's, you know, uh, very, uh, but it's, it's also difficult. It's difficult. And, and I've sort of l- learned to respect development process a little more mm-hmm. than maybe I used to. Well, do you think you like screenwriting a little bit more? Or are you, you-, you know, I, I don't know, man. I, uh, every project is different. Mm-hmm. And so, and in, and in and in every project, I get fed up. Sure. At some point, right? You get, you get a block. No, it's not a block. It's 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 that, you know. And I'm better at it than I. Well, actually, at first I was I was just too, way too easygoing. Uh, but I mean, you're writing as a committee, right? You're going to have to 
you know, you get notes, you rewrite, notes, rewrite. Nobody really likes what you've done. Everybody likes what you've done. Half don't <laughs> like you do. You know, and then you've got to argue with the person who never likes anything you do. Right? It's, I mean, it, it becomes kind of like a hung jury. Yeah, yeah, and you're always in that kind of state. So it's at the end of the day, it's never a hundred percent satisfying because you've only won over sixty percent of the people sixty percent of the time, right? And so, <laughs> you know, and, and, but that you know, that's just the fed up part. The other part is that it's you know, it's just it's damn fun, right? Uh, you know, I love I love playing around. I love playing around, especially if uh, you know if the project's fun, the project's good, the people are good, you know. It's all good. It's interesting because, I mean, it seems I'm listening to the commentary and behind Pontypolek, I was saying, it seems like you and Bruce are actually quite good friends. And oh, yeah, we're best we're best friends. Yeah, for sure. Makes sense. I mean, I've seen you guys have even acted in films together that were had nothing to do with either of you or something, or, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, we're, you know, we've been working close together. He came to the la- the book launch of Pontypool. Uh like it hadn't even been released yet, and that was where I met him. He showed up at the club, and I didn't. Okay. I knew who he was because he had had, you know, he was he was a Canadian director, you know, of some renown, right? He was he was an early darling of the Toronto Film Festival, and you know, won awards for his uh, first film, Roadkill, and the second one, Highway 61, and and uh, Hardcore Logo. And so I knew exactly who he was, and uh, you know, there I am sitting there. Oh, this is my second book. And uh, Bruce McDonald sits down across from me with his cowboy hat on, that that uh, grin of his, and, uh, and he, he sticks a Kinder Egg on the table. <laughs> and he says, I want to option your book. Is that enough? <laughs> and I said, yeah. That's funny. I said, that'll do it. He says, you want to write it? I said, yeah. And, uh, you know, that was it. It was pretty fun. Yeah, I heard that uh, somebody had uh, sent, or given him a copy of the book to read or something and then my editor had it uh, from the press had given him the galleys or whatever the early i don't think they make galleys anymore the the early uh early manuscript okay of the book it hadn't even been gone to print yet and apparently he dug it he dug it and uh yeah but and then it was in you know it was 10 years before we actually yeah it was 10 years before we made the film that's crazy dozens of scripts dozens of scripts uh, you know and, and it was me learning how to write a script and also learning that you can't be as crazy as you want to be because they'll stop you from making it <laughs> <laughs> but the irony is now that the sequels are sort of like bits and pieces and rebuilds out of earlier scripts lots of material it I feels mean, like yeah and the book kind of feels like it has a lot of the like almost what the equal you call it or the sequel yeah uh, would right. be in a way because less Clearton's uh character well, yeah, Les Reardon shows up in the sequel, and they're the equal, or whatever you want to call it, which I call Typo Chan, which actually Bruce coined. Uh, that's another funny argument because producers are now saying, no, oh, you got to set it in Michigan. Forget about Pontypool. Set it in Michigan. What? Oh, no, no, no. It's a big deal up here. You never said anything in, in Canada. You said it in the States because they believe that automatically it increases you know, the value of it. And, blah, blah, blah. and I say automatically it tells you that you've got a weak film. That you have no confidence <laughs> in, and you're a fucking idiot. You know? <laughs> no, don't call it Pontypool. Nobody even knows what that means. Call it Michigan. You know, just because they they believe, and this is a thing that they're just fucking will not be talked out of. That if you said it 20 miles south of the border instead of 20 miles north of the border, that you'll have a much bigger budget and you'll have a much bigger audience. 
I, <laughs> that's I, I, ridiculous. But it is totally ridiculous. I got no problem with American productions coming up to to make Toronto look like New York or whatever. Right. And decisions that are totally valid. You know, everybody cheats everything all the time. You've got a small independent film that is specifically set in a small town, you know, in in your in your neighborhood that you want to tell that story. You don't change the name, you know what I mean? You don't, because you think that, I think that uh, to an American audience, uh, an exotic foreign film called Pontypool is more interesting than, you know, another, uh, you know, uh, teenagers on an island in Lake Michigan discover a language virus that pops out of a rock or whatever the fuck they want to <laughs> Yeah, I, I honestly, I mean, it just, I think it's its starting to come out to a lot of people. Um, and I, I know a lot of friends that are just huge fans of this movie. And uh, so it's like kind of interesting to me that they would even consider that. Like, oh, it just, no, it's, to me, it's a losing argument for them. They still yeah. make And it's just like, I just, I, my eyes glaze over. It's like, no, just <laughs> do your goddamn job. Your job is to sell those stupid movies, you know? So we'll give you what it is, and then you'll you'll figure out how to sell it. That's your job. <laughs> you can make it work. Like yeah. it doesn't seem like it's the pinnacle of why it's going to make it work. I don't know what that's all about. <laughs> but, I, but so Bruce came up with this idea, which I think is just brilliant, to call it Typo Chan. It's amazing that I there's so much still so much uh, persistent interest in that film, which is almost ten years old now. Yeah, well, it's ahead of its time. That's why. Well, it was, it, and it was considered a, a complete flop, the first year, even the first two years. Wow. It, it was, uh, it was stank. Right. And that was one of the reasons why we couldn't get, and still struggle to get the sequels made. <laughs> I know that's probably the most, like, biggest question everybody always asks you too. Uh, well, you know, and I mean, it's it, I, it's an ongoing thing. Uh, in fact, uh, this next weekend, I'm meeting with Bruce, and we're going over. Uh, the, we've got two sequels now. We've got Potty Two and Three. Yeah. And there's a whole bunch of you know new ginned up excitement about getting them made, which happens annually at a certain period of time. The winter comes in, and then it seems like producers sort of you know jump out of their graves and decide they want to make this movie. Right. Uh, and then they disappear in the spring. But, you know, we're back in a spot again where it's like, you know, maybe we can get this thing done. Uh, because every and every time the, the excitement is a little bigger. Right. But the essential problem was and remains that it was uh, released. Uh, the, the distributor in Canada released it on a kind of a, a, an opening weekend box office model. Right, okay. And they thought they were going to release it wide. You know, they thought they were going to put it on, you know, 80 screens or something. And because it was, it generated a bit of excitement at the Toronto Film Festival and, you know, uh, people, uh, cr critics liked it. And they thought, well, this is something interesting and something different. And uh, so the, the distributors thought that they would find an audience like that for it. And so they did, a, they, you know, they sat us down and said, oh, we're going to open this up all we're right across the country. <laughs> it's going to be great, blah, blah, blah. We're all going to be rich. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> and then, Well, uh, it is a cult movie, and those typically... Oh, absolutely. Well, that was know. what happened. Well, then they, were, they did a couple of test screenings in, in sub suburban theaters, right? Come on in here and watch this movie and tell us what you think. They'd fill up these theaters with, with mall-going people, and nobody liked it. Wow. That's crazy. 
this is the stupidest fucking thing I've ever seen. I don't even know if it's a horror movie or what it is. I walked out, you know, and so then they sat there and panicked when they had these stack of cards that told them that it was a terrible film. And, you know, that began the whole problem that this is unmarketable. They pulled it. It made, I think, like $7 on its opening weekend. Huh. Everybody was crying and they just sort of buried it for a couple of years. And then it started to, to be, I think what had to happen was, you know, two or three people uh, had to get together and get into an argument about it. Right. Which is what started to happen online, right? It started, to, it started to be a thing that people would argue about. No, it's a terrible film and it's completely stupid and pretentious and what's with <laughs> the doctor and what's with this and that and it's, it's nuts. And then other people would sort of, you know, uh, argue for it and then you had, you know, it sort of snowballed. Yeah. And, and initially it was sort of shown in places like, you know, art galleries and universities and it sort of elevated it, you know, in, in some people mind so that, that it looked like it was worth arguing about i really feel like it's just ahead of its time because when you wrote this book it was way before it, these ideas that you put into this were way before anybody was trying to do anything creative with zombies at all dude i can tell you man at the time when i wrote the book and i was you know there was no zombies anywhere right exactly what we now sort of take for granted that zombies are, you know, in everything, popular culture, yeah. was there was nothing. There was just the Romero and uh, the Herc Harvey. Is that his name? Yeah. Uh, I think so. And, and that sort of thing. And, you know, we that was initially a bit of a problem with uh, getting the film made 20 years ago now. Right. It was like, what the fuck, a zombie? <laughs> you know, give, give us a you know coming of age uh, vampire story or uh, you know, whatever. Right? So there was no yeah, and that was a bit of a problem at the time. And then, of course, which always happens, by the time you actually get funding in place and you're going to shoot the thing, you know, there's 700 zombie movies, and half of them have to do with language. Well, and yeah, like, you know. <laughs> I have not heard a negative thing said about the movie when I brought it up. And anybody that I have met that has actually seen the movie has been a huge fan. So well, Yeah, that's great. And and that's sort of like, from where I'm sitting, that's a big change. Right. Huge change <laughs> from where it was 10 years ago. Where, like, I just had to hang my head in shame, you know, whenever I would sit in on a pitch meeting or anything. Because, I yeah, I wrote that stupid <laughs> and you know it was the the kind of anger that initially people had about it and there were you know it was funny because even places like uh, ain't it cool you know the ain't it cool news yeah 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 and those sorts of you know larger uh you know, they were starting to establish themselves as tastemakers and all that right uh the review we got at at ain't it cool was just it went on and on about how this was the worst written thing ever made. The dialogue will make you cringe. The doctor that gets dumped Deus Ex Machina at the end to give you an explanation that makes no sense. But blah, 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 blah. went on and on and on about how unwatchable the film was. Oh and so God. and I'm like, well whatever. And then Rex Reed, I think, said, you know, the acting is you know, there was all these sort of big bigger places that were just shitting on it. And that's, you know, hung my head in shame. But then, then about three years later, uh, Ain't It Cool comes out with the, the list of their top ten 
best horror films of whatever, and <laughs> we're sitting there at number one. See, it sat, it percolated <laughs> inside their brains, and they couldn't let it go. It's funny, because, and I'm convinced that it's because it generated arguments online. Right. It generated people who became extraordinarily passionate about it. Right. And, and I think to, people who are too concerned with maybe the rules. Oh, I think so. Oh, that, that you know, that came at us from all kinds of directions. Even even still, I mean, it's like, so uh, how come everybody doesn't get it? And what, you know, when is this, what are the three stages of the blah, blah, blah? And is it a zombie or isn't it a zombie? What is it? What is it? Which I don't give a shit about. Uh, right. And, in fact, I think that if you kind of make it less uh, stable, you know, it becomes more, it behaves more like a virus. Yeah. No, but a flu. Well, and you don't know where it's coming from. So that part is so tense. There's so much tension, you have not knowing how it's going to happen. Exactly. You have, I mean, that's the way that you experience uh, that kind of terror. And, and it, I mean, it's a kind of an obvious connection to make, but it was... Uh, a little bit like, you know, and I mean this may uh, be a bit, you know, too much, but it was almost like on uh, September 11th, that day. Right. Waking up and having information coming from all kinds of different directions. I mean, you still have examples of that now. Like yesterday with the uh, the, the, the character at Ohio, in Ohio. Oh, that's right, yeah. I, I mean, it starts out with... You know, there's three guys with bazookas that are in a hut by the thing. No, there's this, there's that. And, you know, you've got all of these talking heads coming on, giving you, you know, up and down theories about uh, psychosis and antisocial behavior and oppositional disorders. Things that is not referencing anything. Right. Because <laughs> nothing is known. <laughs> but you yeah. have this, like, hyper-production of, of, uh, of um, s subtitles. You know, tag right. underneath every image, and that was one of the things that was sort of we wanted. You know, the the Barth uh, reference, the Roland Barth reference about the him. And this was big for me at the time reading about it. The notion that a photograph in a newspaper, without a caption or without explanation, is traumatizing. Okay. Even if it isn't depicting something traumatizing, there is a kind of out-of-body experience you have when you look at that and it is not you are not told what it's referencing uh, because we're used to even if it's a lie even if it's an outright fabrication of it being anchored somehow as a referent right and then that happens in social media and sure because you know, it well, just yeah. people post stuff all the time you don't know if it's real or not but you derive your own particular uh thought about that picture or, yeah. or what it's saying yeah so yeah. Anyway, that's uh, there was that se that was the kind of sense of of that uh, that that I I guess I sort of noticed f the first time was on September 11th. But I, I now I notice it every day. I, I think you'll be surprised, man. I've turned a lot of people onto this movie since I watched it. Oh, I appreciate it, man. That's the other thing. It's like you know, there's there's uh, guys like you who like dig the film in 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 a genuine way you know what i mean right and, no and and literally i went cool. through a pack of smokes in yeah. my house when yeah. i watched the movie it is probably one of the most tense movies i've ever seen yeah you know it's it's a lot of it was a perfect storm for a lot of things i've come to uh i've come to believe because i've i've written a bunch of films since then 
and other things, and I've been involved in other productions. And mm -hmm. I've kind of thought at the outset, well, this is going to be, this is going to all work the way Pontypool worked. And it's amazing how many moving parts can glitch and go wrong or go off, uh, but you still have to make the film. And, in, and when we were making Pontypool, it was, looking back now, I mean, it was kind of charmed in a way because the number of things that worked, even though we thought it was falling apart at the time, uh, hold up pretty well. I got to <laughs> ask you about this, and this is something that all three of us on this podcast were questioning about, is that that ending that you did at Pontypool, the little Johnny Deadeyes thing at the very end, what was that? And can you divulge anything about that and why that was in there? I'll give you my answer to that. <laughs> okay. And then I won't give you my answer to that. So just, <laughs> I had a feeling. Uh, uh, my answer is, I don't ask, I don't, I, I, th that question fills me with blind rage. <laughs> oh, no. And I can't answer it. Uh, not because I don't have an answer, but because I'm so angry. Hmm. Uh, so that's really, that's, that's it. Huh. Well, I kind of got that at the end of the commentary as you guys talked about that. So I didn't know I, I didn't I, know for sure okay, to that, ask. <laughs> that, was, that used to be more successful, that answer, but it's not so much anymore because I could ask. It's better to do it in person because I can look at you and intimidate Yeah, it make me feel uncomfortable kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It can fade across the airwaves here. There's answers, <laughs> answers to that, and there's a reason that, is, that it was actually embedded in a, a very early script. Hmm. Uh, had an entire cosmology fucking meta structure to the story that was crazy. Hmm. That had, it was a very um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Matrixy uh, before Matrix actually, with agents coming from parallel this and that, and metallic storms showing up, and it was just completely zany <laughs> with reality breaks everywhere. Reality is breaking down everywhere. It's dissolving and trying to collect itself again. And then, you know, there's all this really strange stuff. Uh, there was three or four scripts like that. And hmm. uh, so, w w it, the, the, on the uh, the last day, the last couple of days of shooting, the producers, I can talk bad about them because they're all in jail now. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Really. Yeah, one of them got run out of. One of them is still still on the loose somewhere in the states, and if he comes back to Canada, he's getting thrown in jail for ten years. The Jeez. other guy did a couple of years in in the in, a, in the pen right after for uh, for fraud. Anyway, so I can talk bad about those guys because they're bad. <laughs> I didn't like them, <clears throat> but it was me versus it was me and Bruce versus the producers, right, all the way on the set because we're we're changing, we're tweaking, we're playing around with it, and we're laughing, we're having fun, and uh, they're panicking. Uh, because they don't know what we're doing, you know. Every day, every day we sort of play around and they go, "Well, you can't just fucking change mine now." And then they they came this very bad, very heavy meeting. Right? They go, "We don't think the ending works." Uh, and yeah, this is Friday, and we have to shoot the ending on Monday. Jeez. So you guys tell us right now what you're going to shoot on Monday, and it better work. So we sat down. We had the meeting. And uh, Bruce looks over and he says, can you come up with something over the weekend? And I said, yep. And they said, no, 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 not over the weekend. We, not, we have to know. We're not coming in Monday morning and you're throwing some fucking crazy shit up there. We don't know what it is. We want to know Friday. And so uh, I, I, I left. 
without them knowing. I, I split, went home, talked to Bruce, pulled out this ending, and I said, look, that's our ending right there. And Bruce looked at it and thought it was fucking hilarious. <laughs> and, uh, and I, I you know, we... It was it was pure mischief, really, and then uh, that that Monday we sat down and I oh no we, I sent I sent it to the producers like email right Saturday whatever, and there was my uh, email blew up my phone blew up everything went crazy with these guys. you can't do that you are actually sabotaging we're going to get lawyers you're sabotaging this production blah 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 right they were insane. <laughs> and Monday morning, you know, Bruce and I show up. We show up early. We sit down with the cast and crew. We say, well, this is – we pass it around. Here's the thing. This is what we want to do. Everybody says, that's fucking great. Let's do it. Uh, and so the producers come show up, and they go, we're not paying for anything. None, none of this is going to get a dime. We want wow. you to do conventional ending. And so the ending were the kiss, right, which is fine. I mean, that was always kind of there. And it's – it's, it's, I got no problem with that ending, the kiss and the countdown and the da-da-da. You know, satisfying for a bunch of reasons, and it it works. And so they said, you could shoot, we'll shoot that, but we're not going to put down a dime for this other crazy shit. And so then the cast and the crew got together and they said, no problem. As soon as the clock runs out, we're all going to do it for nothing. And so everybody stayed till like four in the morning to shoot that. Wow. Uh, is left and and you know it was all you know the, the production person went out and found all the props and the da 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 and you know everybody just sort of pitched in nobody had a clue really including me what or why we were doing this particular ending uh, but it was this protest ending that we kind of like were passionate about by the end of the day and we were all going to do it for nothing for free everybody you know end of the day that's awesome though that's really yeah. interesting yeah I always kind of felt that's, like yeah. it was just done for fun like that's well, what I felt. Well, it was done as a protest, uh, not a protest, really, but just to stick it in the craw of, you know, uh, people who are freaking out. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, you know, it was just it was fun. And but then we sat down with it and we and we like then we had to we had to use it, which was right. a whole story. Right? It's like because we're sitting down there with a rough cut and we're looking and that thing comes on and Bruce and I look at each other and go, well, uh, do you know? I don't know. You know what that, is there any way we can make it look like that should have happened? No. Is there any connection? No. Well, what what is it? She said, well, you know, do we have to explain? Uh, no, we can't. I mean, we could. I mean, there's a bunch of different since then. There's a bunch of different. And this is why I don't like the kind of, you know, uh, behind the scenes version of it. Because it empties it of the possibility of becoming meaningful in the film. Right. I, you know, because it's my favorite thing is to read analysis of that scene because it just blows my mind. It's fantastic stuff that I've read about it. Uh, and so I, I protect it and now I've just blown it. So, yeah, <laughs> well, I can cut it if you want me to, but it is that fascinating. But they, they, so then what we did was we had to kind of separate it after the credit. That was our kind of compromise that it wouldn't come out of the kiss it would come as a so it would have a kind of you'd have a chance to clean your palate before getting assaulted with uh, Johnny Dead Eyes and uh, yeah it seemed yeah. I kind of felt like the way you were describing the third sequel um, it kind of felt like it was almost a part of that because the way you guys to talk about the 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 third film is it's kind of a little more trippier and maybe a little more like existential like I don't know. 
Well, it, I mean, that, that happens. Uh, the, the second film is happens simultaneous with the first, right? Yeah. So th- it is about what's happening in the town. So you get to see all of the things while listening to the radio. So because the radio is, the, the first film is playing on the radio throughout the second film. Mm-hmm. And so you've got the events of the town. And, da, da, da. and the third one is after, the, in the kind of aftermath, uh, where the virus has broken uh, how... Uh, uh, the structure of reality. Okay. So th- things that are opposed or differentiated or or whatever, space, uh, you know, the bizarre rhymes and things. There's no longer such thing as a dog, for instance. Uh, and mm-hmm. nobody knows that the word doesn't exist anymore. Uh, because the word was uh, destroyed by the virus, the thing couldn't exist anymore. Different, and there's all kinds of permutations. And there's weather. Like, you know, you've got a weather pattern, you know, so you've got, you know, uh, a series of alliterative plosives that are moving in off the Atlantic. Right. I love that I, I, idea. I think that's awesome. That, that is to yell in monosyllables for at least three or four days. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got these kind of like vaccines and uh, different things that are all, you know, verbal against uh, different strains of generally less lethal versions of the virus that are still kind of floating around. Interesting. So, yeah, yeah. So it's a like lot the of, vaccinations kind of like kill his kiss. Yes, exactly. I mean, that, yeah. that's one of the early sort of, yeah, attempts at it. Even though it's not, it's very hard to know and it's unstable. So it's hard to know whether, whether or what things are working. The experimentation is happening constantly. And, and in, in three, it's, it becomes a very, you know, a very wild experience. Uh, uh, but it's my favorite one. Three, if we ever get there, I'd be happy. I, yeah, I really hope it gets off the ground. Have you guys actually considered doing crowdfunding for this? No, that's an interesting... Uh, no. No, that's interesting. I think that it might be a very uh, possible way to reach out. You know, that's not a bad idea. That's funny because I have thought of that in other projects. I've never thought about that with this one. That's an interesting idea because it's certainly something that... You could get some uh, support for, I would think. I think so. And I mean, I know the first, first film was done on about a million and a half. Uh, you want to be executive producer? <laughs> if I oh. had the money, I'll tell you what, though. If you make another one, I want to be in it somehow. I'll yeah. fly up there, man. I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> we shot, a, and I think I mentioned this on the commentary we shot a, another thing the producers complained about was there's no fucking zombies in your zombie movie <laughs> you know what i mean like they sat down in panic panic on their faces there's no zombies and well you know there was originally not supposed to be anything right this, it was a radio show it was originally a radio play yeah like uh orwell uh orson yeah. wells Yes, and it was, and it was, you know, that's what it was. And we, then we thought, well, if we can make it work by just pointing a camera at Steve McCaddy's nose and never leaving it, then we can maybe pull the frame out a little bit at a time. But we're going to really guard how big we make that frame. Right. You know, we're not just loosey goosey go flying out here and there because we can. This has got to be tight. You know, the, the rules are this is the line there, and there's the line there, and you don't cross it. We're not going out to show zombies because we think we can. We want to keep this kind of claustrophobic paranoia and tension as close to his face as possible. Right. And, and 
one of the first drafts, you don't leave his face. You only heard uh, Sydney, and you only heard about Laurel Ann. Okay. You know what I mean? So there was like, so anyway, when these guys are saying, I need you need a zombie scene. We want zombies. Fill the parking lot with zombies. We'll get snow machines. We'll get the blowing stuff. We'll have the cars on fire. And we'll crane. We'll get a crane. And here's a, we're going to, here's a check for the, you know, 500 extras that we're going to need. And let's, you know, and so they, you know, we said, well, okay, that's fine. And then it was funny because Bruce and I and the crew, we all sort of before we went out, says, let's just, you know, make sure we've got a case of beer on the roof uh, because <laughs> I'm not using any of this shit. Right. <laughs> not using any of it. Because if you put out a call for zombie extras, it's only like 22, 23-year-old guys that are showing up. Right, yeah. Entire zombie world looks like a looks like you know uh, Bill and Ted's fucking zombie adventure. <laughs> <laughs> they're all gonna stand around. They're all high. They're all acting goony, and it's like no, it's, it's not gonna work. You know. You, <laughs> so anyway, yeah, we ended up with like pile of footage of Bill and Ted bouncing <laughs> off each other, trying to keep a straight face, right, with the uh, syrup in their hair and whatnot. <laughs> and we didn't use it. We didn't use a second of that. Uh, it makes sense. I mean, I, I really like that the idea, just the description of um, Ken Loney uh, talking about the people piling over everybody and then the, the breaking through the barn. I mean, that just mentally, it, it just lets you paint that picture for yourself. That, the thing was, that was one of those sort of like, you know, charmed moments. Right. When, uh, uh, we sat down at an Italian restaurant with the kind of first run of the cast doing a table read. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cast beyond Stephen and Lisa and uh, Rick uh, Rick Robertson no fuck guy played Ken Loney Rick I think it's uh, I don't remember his name actually but uh, so he's sitting on the corner table I had no idea. I hadn't heard anything and then we we read it and as soon as it got to, it's like unbelievable chill right through the room right. the way it's exactly the way he delivers it in the film. He did it perfect, and it was like holy shit. And this is this is better than I thought. It was what I thought when I heard him do it. You know, this is this is damn. This is better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, it gives me chills just here, like thinking about it. It was like exactly right. I mean, and we were that was funny because we it was so kind of chilling and felt so real, but also you know close to the top, but you know almost over the top. That we Bruce and I started laughing a little bit, and we realized we got we may have a problem once we go to go to camera because if a lot of this stuff is funny, <laughs> and we can't we can't be laughing, and so we actually made up signs that were posted all over the set that said "scary not funny," "scary <laughs> not funny," "scary not funny," "scary not everywhere," and it was like we had serious talks in the morning that you know if you think something is funny, it's not it's scary. Because, you know, there was a danger that this was going to start to become a kind of a parody or a silly film. And we didn't want, we didn't want, that. we wanted it to be straight up scary. That right. was beginning to end. That's what we wanted. But because Bruce and I are a bit silly, we ended up writing a bit of a comedy. And I think all horrors are comedies anyway, regardless of whether you intend it or not. But <clears throat> uh, so we, we wanted it to be scary. And then we're watching, Bruce and I are watching this scene and we're sitting looking at the monitor and everybody's around, standing around, da, da, da. I can't remember what the scene was, but Bruce started giggling. 
And I, and I caught it, right? And I started giggling. And we're fucking giggling. People just turn around and look. And we actually had to leave the set. And we're down the hall, like, trying to get rid of these giggles. And the wardrobe person comes up. And she's like, guys, this is supposed to be scary, not funny. <laughs> <laughs> she, like, she, she carted us right then and there. <laughs> you know, you got people out there who are wondering what the hell's going on. You can't be laughing. <laughs> hey, dark sense of humor. That's that's just unavoidable sometimes, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. And once you start laughing, you know, oh, yeah. laughing at a funeral, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I hope you guys uh, do get the funding for this. And I, I'll tell you one thing. I think a lot of our listeners and a lot of fans who are fans of the movie would definitely be a part of that crowdfunding. And I mean, worst case scenario, it, it doesn't work. But I, I, I think you might be surprised. I dig the idea. In fact, uh, I'm going to be talking to Bruce later today or tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to bring it up. I think it's a good idea. We've never talked about that. I will be a part of it. <laughs> might be an actual. Yeah, he's going to be the uh, executive producer. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got at least 100 bucks. No, you don't even need money. You just you, you don't even need money. <laughs> it's just a vanity thing. It just make you look good. Oh, yeah. I'm all for that. but hey seriously tony it has been a a huge honor and a pleasure i've had a lot of fun talking with you thanks man it's been uh, it's been a blast so that was tony burgess thank you so much for coming on the show it was a fucking blast talking with you insanely cool and i really hope that uh we can somehow be involved in helping you guys in any way shape or form with the sequel if you do the crowdfunding or whatever so that is phenomenal because i am so behind the the sequel they're gonna do one yeah i am it's so fucking cool man and and guys any of you listening right now who are fans of this you better fucking get behind this fucking project because we want to see it happen hell yeah so we're gonna do whatever we can But uh, thanks again, Tony. And if you'd like to listen to the full uncut interview with Tony Burgess, I urge you to go check that out on our YouTube page right now. The link is below. If you're a big fan, there's a lot of extra information and uh, fun tidbits that we talked about in it. So I urge you to check that out right now. And now we're actually going to be doing something kind of cool. We just came up with a brand new song for our new segment, The Flesh and Potatoes. Flesh and Potatoes. So basically the made portion. So we're going to go ahead and listen to that right now. Uh, we got the meat and potatoes, which is the comet cometh movies that surround comets mm-hmm. or any kind of small comets? books or anything. I really. feel like making a comet. You yeah. suck dicks. Oh That's my, my god! <laughs> You're bringing the bad joke back. <laughs> I'm king of bad jokes. <laughs> so you had some information about some comets and stuff that you wanted to talk about. Oh yeah, well in uh, coherence, uh, mentioned a, an event that happened called the. Let's see here the. Tunguski event. Okay. And um, let's see, it was a large explosion that occurred near the stony Tus- Tunguska. Tunguska. Taco-, Taco Bell. All right. So it's about an event that happened in Russia by the Tunguska River in Russia. And um, it was an explosion that leveled 
830 square miles of forest. 830 square miles. That's like, crazy. This actually happened. This is a real thing? This is a real thing that Shit. happened. Shit. And they must talk been, about it in the movie. Must have been real shitty forest. <laughs> <laughs> it was also classified as an impact event, even though it never touched ground. Exploded mid Oh, so like a meteorite actually hit the ground in Russia? No, it, he's no, saying it didn't hit the it ground. It didn't hit the ground. So how did it cause that uh, issue? It exploded. It exploded midair. Shit, dude. It exploded about five to ten kilometers in the air, which is about five to six miles, I would want to say. The, ener- oh, the energy that he emitted the, from the explosion was like 10 to 15 megatons. Oh, wow. Mega- megatrons? Megatrons, <laughs> yeah, baby. Did Optimus Prime come? So 10 to 15 megatons of TNT. Wow. That's crazy, man. That is super crazy. So and how far up in the atmosphere Just to give you an idea. Just to give you an idea what that is. Okay. 15 megatons of TNT is about equivalent, about about a thousand times greater than the atom bomb dropped on Hiroshima. Wow. But that's all I really have. I just thought that was fucking crazy. There no, was no it, human casualties reported, but oh, it really? was back in like 19... 19- 800 and some square miles and there's no casualties. Right. A bunch of woodland creatures. Yeah. What about Bambi, dude? <laughs> yeah, there was like flattened deer steak and some <laughs> abominable snowman. A bunch man. of Russian bears all you frozen in carbonite. You think that something would happen, I mean, being a thousand times greater than the atom bomb dropped that's in Hiroshima? It. That's crazy. Hey, dude. Well, I think the uh, 80s were very obsessed with uh, comets and stuff like that. I remember when I was growing up as a kid, uh, comets being a big deal. You know, like, I mean, not just Halley's Comet, which comes around, what, every 50 years or some shit like that, you know? People were just obsessed with it. There's so many movies that are about it, and they kind of brought it back here in the last couple of years, you know, within Mm. the last three years. And there's plenty of other movies that we're probably not going to mention, just so you know. But if you have some that you think we should uh, check out that we might not mention in here, you should let us know in the comments. Oh, for sure. Well, one of the first movies that um, Pat and I got this idea from is, um, well, that we saw years ago, I think, but it was called Plus One. And if you guys aren't familiar with this, um, some of us got to see it, some of us didn't, but... uh, Is this like when you want to go to a venue and they put you on the list and you get to bring a person with you? Yeah, well, it's plus one because essentially the story is about having an extra person of you Uh, at the same... Like a a double ganger? Sort of. It's it's more time-influenced. Huh. Um, Basically, what happens is is it's a story about these kids. Uh, This guy's in love with this girl. He goes to see her fencing event. She's moved to another college, apparently. It's kind of a teeny bopper movie, but it's... It's not bad. It's actually pretty decent. It's definitely got that youth kind of right. music and silliness to Very it. But, but the story is kind of, it's really interesting. But this guy, he, he lives in his hometown where he met her. She's gone to college to go to another school because she wants to like elevate her career and her education and experience life. And uh, she's, a, she's fencing and he goes to watch one of her events there. He shows up, surprises her. When she gets beaten, she storms off and she's like really upset, you know, and he goes up to this other girl who won against her and accidentally kisses her. <laughs> well, he act- mistakes her. For- <laughs> he mistakes her for her and the girl hits on him and just starts making out with him. And then, of course, his real girlfriend comes walking around the corner and boo fucking who. Yeah, I think I saw that at X-Tube. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not a porno, Mike. Uh, <laughs> but... Basically, what happens is is he's trying to get over it. He goes to this big party in his hometown where he's supposed to go to this this party with all of his friends, and he's, like, bumming out about it, and she shows up. There's a comet that comes 
in the beginning of the movie and it slams and hits the ground and you see it like shoot up towards the uh, telephone, telephone wires. Line. Yeah, yeah the power telephone lines. Power whatever lines, whatever. But it starts like, it looks like it's eating the electricity or at least using it to make itself stronger. So it's kind of weird. Uh, but you don't really know what's going on with that until the lights start going out everywhere throughout the movie. And they're having this huge fucking raging fucking kid boner party. You know what I mean? Like, with all these hot girls dancing around and, you know, because every, every college party or every <laughs> regular high school parties with, like, tons of people that can dance and do everything. But yeah. um, Right, with DJs and lights and the whole nine. Right. Sure. I've been to many of those, you know. <laughs> well, I have, I've had parties like that, but they're rare. rare. <laughs> so the lights go out and you realize that they've somehow... Like, the party moves outside because this guy, the host, he's trying to have the... He's trying to be the best host, the host with the most, so everybody has this amazing party and talks about him, basically. So he takes the entire party outside to drink these special drinks from India or whatever the fuck it is from his country, he says. Everybody just disgusted with it. The power goes out, and then now all of a sudden the people that happen to stay behind, which is some of the main protagonists... They um they actually see the parties back inside all of a sudden, and they start seeing themselves and other people, and they get freaked the fuck out, and they're like, "What the fuck is going on?" Like, <laughs> they see one dude out front who's like this drug dealer, shoot himself because he sees himself and gets in an argument with himself. Oh shit! And he's like, "Who the fuck are you? Who the fuck are you?" And he shoots him in the head, and he sees this, and so he thinks that like they're like these evil doppelgangers yeah a fucking great film though i mean it's kind of like the other movie we watched even though it came out later right it it might have borrowed something from that but it is definitely a must-watch film if you like this kind of like mind fuck movies sure i mean it gets progressively worse like they, they start to figure out that these these events that when the power goes out that the lights somehow trigger their old selves to go back in time Right. Like, they bring him to the future. Well, they they start coming closer. Yeah. Like, it gets... The time between each of these events gets closer and closer until they're in a room with themselves. Oh, and the bottleneck of this... It is worth seeing just for the ending of it. Yeah, it's got some pretty deep messages to it. I mean, it's got this love story that they interwove into the story. Right. Which is kind of lame, but in the same respect, it's cool because it actually... There's, like, murder and shit in it. Yeah. So it's like... I think it's a really cool idea for a movie and how how they had to prepare for that when they're writing it and directing it has got to be really interesting. There was like, I know that they had like doubles and they like superimposed their, like, I don't know how they put CGI <laughs> yeah, faces was, on some like, of them. At the very end scene, like I was saying, right. the bottleneck, you could tell like some of them were doubles. Yeah, like how are you supposed to do a movie like that though? It really crescendos into this amazing like kind of ending and then it kind of leaves you with a, oh. If you're into that kind of thing and you you have the time, I'd say check it out because it's definitely worth a watch. Now, there's another movie that came out shortly there in the same year even about a comet, which was Coherence. But before we get to that one, Mike watched Maximum Overdrive. Oh, yeah, dude. Uh, this is one of my... I, I dig this from way back in the day. Yeah. I remember being in high school, and it was one of my, my go-to movies for like a good time. Because I'm a big Stephen King fan. Right. And this is one of the ones where he uh, he full-on wrote the screenplay, and he directed it as well. Uh, as far as I know, I, I think this is the only project that he's actually directed. 
Okay. Yeah, because I, mean, I don't think he has done anything else. I don't think he has. I mean, he's just done a lot of writing and whatnot. Obviously, he's Stephen King. Right. But uh, I think this is the only thing he directed. But one of the cool things I, I, I remember hearing about is, like, people may pan it as being, like, a cheesy piece of shit, but it's fun, man. Oh, I love it's, it. It's a not. It's just a fun fucking 80s, you know, ACDC-fueled. Plus, I, <laughs> yeah. I, re- I, I read that uh, King at the time was, like, really big into drugs, and he was, like... Uh, I think I read that he was on coke the whole time. Uh, <laughs> you know, really big coke fiend. Who was the chick's? What was that chick's name? The newlywed couple in the movie. Oh, uh, she does Lisa Simpson's voice. Bro, oh my god, she was so fucking annoying that whole movie. I yeah, I forget her name. Oh, is that her? She's Lisa Simpson's oh. voice. Oh, Like she talks like that. Yeah. Like Lisa Simpson, dude. That's her. Whoa. Yeah. I don't remember her name though. Yardley Smith. That's her name? Yardley Smith, yeah. Wow. Yardley. She plays Connie. Yardley. Yardley. Kurt, you better get your ass. <laughs> <laughs> There's just a lot of really cool one-liners in that movie. Yeah. Like, we made you. You can't kill us. We <laughs> made you. <Yeah. laughs> who made who? Yeah. You made you. Or whatever the, the fucking ACDC song. <laughs> That's so Stephen King, man. Fucking. But yeah, the, the essentially the story, if you guys haven't seen this movie, I'd be a little surprised, but I'm kind of old, so I have to be understanding a little bit. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a, a comet that's passing over. The tail of the comet is leaving this like green Jizz. mist over the earth. As it's passing over the green mist, yeah, that's not a... that's. But there's great uh, this green mist that comes over, and it brings all these machines to life. Not just cars, not just... You know, any electronic device at all. At one part, Stephen King does his his little cameo yeah. that he likes to this, do. This machine's called me an asshole, yeah. or whatever he's saying. Honey, this machine called me an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> it's like asshole, 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 asshole. Yeah, on the ATM machine. I like the fucking bridge thing. We're in the beginning when the, uh, the bridge goes up by itself. Oh, yeah. And, like, people are, like, stuck in a traffic jam in the middle of it. And so, like, he's like, I didn't push the lever. It's on safety. I don't know why. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> or do they have a sequence where, like, a lawnmower chews up a kid? Oh, dude. Yeah. I think my favorite scene, though, is the softball coach. Yeah. Where he gets pelted with sodas. Until oh, he's yeah. Dead. Sodas flying out of the soda machine. <laughs> he's like, all right, kids, who wants a soda? And then he puts it in and it shoots him in the face. Right. Yeah. And then in the sack. Doesn't shoot him in the sack uh, Yeah, shoots him in the sack first. Yeah, and, and they, they start laughing. <laughs> and then he starts getting pelted in the head until he's dead. Like, you see the ring from the bottom of the can on his head. Like, it's, like, indented into his head. Like, and then they do that song, or the fucking steamroller comes out. Oh, and it's like, squashes squashes one of the kids. And you hear the, you see the kid, like, trying to pedal away, but it's going so fast. And it runs over him, you hear him squeak. Like, as he gets run over. You know, one of those things is a little bit unbelievable in there. Oh, I mean. The whole movie? The whole movie, yeah. <laughs> but remember where the, guy, the kid, like you were saying, is running away, and then he kind of sees all the devastation around him as he's, you know, going home. Yeah. And then you see that one girl who's kind of been strangled by a hairdryer. Like, how the fuck does that happen? Yeah, uh, you know. It's, it's Stephen King world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's, uh, you know, he's on cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's doing a little A-ball, you know. Uh, was he doing it when he shot the movie? Yeah, I, I heard he was, like, uh, high as fuck the entire time. Really? Yeah. He's got, like, white... He's got, like, white 
filmy lenses on his glasses. And I'm, <laughs> hey guys, <laughs> I, I mean, uh, light ball. Anybody want to have a little fun? <laughs> all I know is that uh, if you're really into Stephen King and really into writing, he has a book called On Writing. Okay. It's it's like partly about him talking about his writing process, which is really fascinating. Okay. But also like he he goes into explicit detail about his background in writing. Right. So it's fascinating. He talks about like all the drugs he did and all the crazy shit he did in order to write and when he used to live and had zero dollars, he was living in like a trailer with his wife, and he had zero money. And he he wrote his first draft of. So he's uh, like, it's just talking about it. It's like a biography of why he writes and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's partly uh, biography, but partly like uh, what it's like to write. Okay. But it's fascinating. It's called on writing. So if you're into writing and it's Stephen King, fucking check it, it out. It doesn't get like meta, meta or anything. No, it's just straight okay. up like, like, like first... suddenly he's like, he's like high on acid. This book, and he just starts writing about like how the book has come to life and everything is real. <laughs> no, it's, and it's he literally starts pissing like... in his mouth. <laughs> the literally the, the... <laughs> they, they do do that though. Yeah. Why? What? Have you heard about the uh, the people in? Well, there's certain uh, tribes in Africa or whatever, not in Africa or maybe in the Peru or whatever, where there's certain mushrooms they can eat. They have psychedelic properties. You never heard that? Well, I mean, okay, but I what I thought you were talking about. I don't know what you were referring oh, to. I'm, I'm, that I said. Were you talking about the pissing in the mouth? Yeah, because like oh, that's they, two episodes in a row now. I don't know why I had to say that. <laughs> well, there's a thing where like uh, it, you can eat certain psychedelic mushrooms. Okay. Uh, and trip on them, but if you it, but the chemicals are still in your piss, so you can drink your own piss after you've tripped on the mushrooms and continue to trip on the same chemical. Oh. And there's certain tribes where, like... They're like the recycling tribe. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're very uh, earth-conscious, very green. But there's certain tribes where, like... Uh, we'll wait till he gets back. Okay. Right, yeah. But there are but, certain tribes where, like, the, the elders will eat mushrooms okay. and cycle out the, the bad stuff and then piss in the, the mouths of the, the younger <laughs> tribesmen so they can trip out. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious, dude. Oh, my God. But that's fucked up, dude. I don't know. Like, I mean, I guess they, it's not fucked up to them because they're just, you know, hey, we're just pissing on the kid's face. Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, golden, golden, sho- in their mouth. golden showers. What a golden did shower, I dude. Miss? <laughs> water sports, water sport. They like it in Germany and Japan. So it's, you know, why not? Uh, it's Peru. Pat took a little uh, grease loaf in the bathroom real quick. <laughs> he just made it back. He was so horny. He had to just yeah. fucking peel one off. Yeah, he was like, oh, kids getting pissed in their mouth. Like, ah. Uh. <laughs> I, I saw him chub up. Got saw him grow that third leg in his pants. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So back to Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> Somehow he got literally so derailed. That's a really good movie, in my opinion. It's a shitty movie, but it's a shitty. It's one of the best shitty movies out there. Yeah, I would say that. I really like the main antagonist, the fucking truck from the the toy. Oh yeah, company. the green. Yeah, that really added an, a unique element to it. Oh for sure. So apparently, Stephen King said uh, a lot of people ask him because I guess he hasn't he hasn't directed anything since. Oh yeah, and. When people ask him, like, why haven't you directed another movie? And he's like, like just watch Maximum Overdrive. Overdrive. That's his like, response. I'm like, I did. It's badass. Yeah, I know. What the <laughs> fuck are you talking about? That's why people want you to direct. It's eh. a long way. But yeah, it did say that he was a former cocaine addict and later admitted he was coked out of his mind the entire time while making the picture and often didn't know what he was doing. <laughs> <laughs> he remarked that he'd like to try directing again sometime. This time sober. <laughs> oh, that's so funny to me. There was a lot of really cool special effects in this. Oh yeah, the oh, ideas yeah. were cool, man. Like just being killed by machines is 
It's kind of cool. interesting. Your everyday stuff, like the concept of it, is genius because it's like something that we all interact with every right. day. As far as like hair dryer killing you, that the army jeep shooting its own gun. There's no possible way it could shoot its own gun. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. I know what you mean though, but there's a the def, there's that definite jump in logic. Right. Right. You know, but I it's it's a B movie from the 80s. Uh, it's tr- gold, man. Yeah, it's I don't yeah, I don't know how kids would feel about it today. Fuck them. Yeah, yeah, fuck them. Yeah, fuck them. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> You hear that, kids? No. Yeah, get on your Twitter. If you want to be cool like us, old fucks. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It is the truck is based off that Green Goblin thing. It really is. The it Hob really Goblin. truly is. Shit, I was making a joke, but apparently yeah, no, it, it, looks it like really the is. Um, Knob Goblin. Knob Goblin. The trailer for this film they used John Carpenter and uh, Alan Hallworth score from Halloween Three: Season of the Witch. Huh. Which is weird. That's we. That's the third time we've brought this up in a different podcast. What the movie? Yeah. Season well, and of the it's Witch. funny. Uh, one of my buddies who I was just literally talking to a day about the whole Belco, Belk, what is it called, Belco experiment. Belco, yeah. yeah, yeah. He was, he was, he responded on there, and I told him I was like, "Hey, man, if you ever want to come on, I was like, we'd love to have you." He and I were going to rewrite Season of the Witch because we figured it was okay to pick that movie because it wasn't really like great. You know what I mean? Plus, it's not it a wasn't full horrible. On, it's not a full no. on part of the. Uh, it's a cult movie, but I mean, it's not like the biggest cult movie, right? You know what I mean? So we felt like it would be okay to grab a shitty movie. And this was years ago. We were we were writing a concept for Season of the Witch three. We were gonna call it like Season of the Witch or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so it's not like you're taking a great fucking movie and making it shitty. Yeah, you're taking a exactly. shitty movie and hopefully make it a percent better. Yeah, well, like we were gonna make it really dark, like the that the we were gonna take the the masks and like turn them. Uh, the people that would wear the mask would turn into like these kind of like killers, mm. and they would go around and kill people, like kids and everything like that. So it was like Season of the Witch. So it wasn't just their heads rotting out and all these bugs and shit pour out. Anyway, did you guys have a favorite scene in that movie, though? Where Charlie Sheen and the guys find the uh, stash of weapons. Charlie oh, finally gets the fucking... One? Well, not Charlie Sheen, I'm sorry. Charlie... Uh, Emilio! Emilio Estevez, there you go. Emilio Estevez, yeah. You know where they find the rocket launcher? I'll uh, pop you in the mouth, Bubba. <laughs> when they finally start fighting back with the weapons. Right, yeah. He shoots it at that fucking uh, army vehicle, right? Mm-hmm. And he yeah. shoots it at the fucking uh, what is it called? The hoe, the back hoe, or whatever. Right? Yeah, no. What the, the fuck flip. are you talking about? The flippity flip that. It's the, the it's it's the fucking Wait, the the motion that you're doing with your hands. It's the fucking is plow. It's like a plow or some shit. Oh, the back hoe. Is it a back hoe? I thought the back hoe was the thing with the arm. No, a back hoe's a, a prostitute that has a big ass. <laughs> <laughs> Or it's uh, your secondary hoe. <laughs> the, the one that's on base while you're fucking yeah. the primary? Yo, I got my, my back hoe in the back. You know? <laughs> yeah. What a potty. Just let me know. She's right back there. Yeah, 50 bucks. <laughs> just kidding. We love women. Uh, we're not trying to be assholes. We're just idiots. Um, but yeah, no, I think that's a really good Comet movie. Like, I think that's a really big Comet movie. It's fun. In my dude. opinion. Yeah. But speaking of Stephen King, there is that also, the what was it, in Creepshow? The very oh, first yeah. one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Where the the comet lands and he goes to grab it and he gets the, the fungus on him right and uh, he starts growing moss and he he decides to get wasted yeah Stephen King plays this backwoods hillbilly yeah that the killer clowns of outer space probably picked from or it's a it's a trope it could, yeah it could the whole sure. like comet hitting the ground yeah if you've not seen uh, Creep Show uh, Stephen King George Romero 
Yeah, it's great. It's fantastic. It's and kind the, of funny. It's like kind of a funny one. It's 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 fun. It's it doesn't is take that the itself one with the creature in the crate. That is that's, that the first one or the second one? No, that's one? Tales from the Dark Side. No, the one where they bring the the crate and they it's like at the college and they put it under the stairs. Is right, 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 right. Yeah, that's the Tales from the Dark Side. No, that's that's Creep Show. But is that Creep Show two or one? I want to say it's two. Maybe it is. Two, is, thought... the, two is the one with the Indian. Number one is the one with the. Uh... Maybe you're right. Is that that one where the lady's a bitch and like. She he tries to drag his wife downstairs to this creature in a box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought that was Tales from the Dark Side. It's well, been a while since I've seen him. Huh? Oh, I only say that because I. Uh, I oh, know. by the way, Cavity Color is selling that shirt right now. If you guys like that, which one? Which the one? creature in the crate with. The, oh yeah, it has like the blue and red divide and the creature crawling out of the crate. It's a really cool. Yeah, shirt. I got some shirts from them. I got the uh, Brain Dead, Dead Alive. Um, yeah, like I saw collage, that. I'm and I'm then I got jealous. the Jasonator, which is like Terminator, <laughs> Jason Voorhees crossover. They do a lot of good artwork there. But guys, check out Cavity Colors. I, they got amazing shirts. Pat wants us wants to get sponsored by them. Yeah, I don't say I want to get sponsored. If you like horror and you like fucking great shirts, yeah, it is a cool. It's sh- a has, fucking great site. There's a quite a few that you could get from, but yeah, that one has a, like a really kind of modern illustration style like their ghoulies fucking poster like the devon did is amazing so anyway yeah that's maximum overdrive it came out in 1986 by the way if you guys haven't seen it you owe it to yourself to go get it it's only on dvd and maybe vhs somewhere if someone even gives a shit about that (laughs) it hasn't come out to blu-ray but hopefully somebody will pick it up soon yeah it's a good time for sure i agree one of the other movies that we've kind of feel like leans a little bit towards the uh plus one uh, movie that we first brought up when we started the segment is called Coherence. Strange things begin to happen when a group of friends gather for a dinner party on an evening when a comet is passing overhead. The same event, apparently, where these people in, like... I don't think it was Russia that they said in this one. They said it was, like... Well, there was two events that they talked about. Two different comets events. Right. They talk about the one event that happens... Where and this is in the beginning of the movie, so we're not really ruining anything. They're just trying to like throw and this out might hints. Just be something they made up, right? I think that what she was saying actually did happen. But in the in the movie, they talk about this comet that passed over, and all these people got lost from their homes, didn't remember certain things. They were kind of wandering around the streets, like bewildered. And it sounds like a legit story, you know, yeah. like maybe. You know, like the moon. Oh, or you're, something. Ta- you're talking about when that girl's like, "I killed my husband." And he's here. Oh, yeah, because they tell the story about this woman who, when they went to this area to fix, figure out what happened to these people, they looked at, uh, they went to this lady and she was like, this is not my husband. And they were like, well, why, why? He's your husband. You're in the pictures with them and everything. She's like, yeah, I know, but he's not my husband. I murdered my husband. That's how I know he's not him. <laughs> and they were like, what the fuck? But they couldn't charge her because... Her husband's right there. Her husband's right there. So she was just crazy. So, but I, I don't even know if that's a real true story. We probably should have looked that up. Yeah, we probably should have. <laughs> but we've watched um, a lot of stuff. I've yeah. been working hard. You have been, dude. Um, Much props to Alex, everybody. Uh, Alex I don't need is this. the heart and Hell soul yeah. I'm going to cut this out. The veil. Five to have sessions. Can, One man this year, I'll it will sure be him re- right there, yeah. not you. I'll make sure to re-mention <laughs> this. No, I'm cutting that shit out. No. <laughs> Alex is the heart and soul of Beyond the Veil. Blah, blah, blah. Lot. I appreciate it. Thank you. Anyway, so this story revolves around this dinner party. And the acting's not bad. It's not 
perfect in a lot of instances. Like, there's some weird shit that happens that you go, but there's just that part where he tries to unlock a box in this thing with a paperclip, and he goes, huh, I can't believe that worked. It was like, uh, it literally was like two seconds, too. Why didn't they just say it was open? Like, why why didn't they just use a key? Or left the key in there. Yeah, like, I don't know, like, it just seems weird. Yeah. I don't know. So do you want to tell, like, kind of what happens, like, in the beginning before it gets way too... No, no, go ahead. I want to know, dude, tell me. Tell you. You're a big fan of this movie. This is your choice for a show. Make me so wet I gotta slip off my seat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if you do that, you're gonna throw that chair away from me. So, Alex has pretty much summed it up already. I mean, they're having... A group of friends come together, long-term friends... they come together for a dinner party and a comet's overpass. I'm already bored. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally kidding. I'm totally <laughs> kidding. <laughs> huh? What's going on, guys? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I'm sorry, Pat. I'm sorry. Try it again. <laughs> yeah. Who's that, guys? Who's oh, that? that was me a couple weeks ago. Wait, no, hold on. You, you, gotta, you, gotta, you gotta do Mike. Here's Mike. <laughs> hey, no complaints. It's pretty much, dude. <laughs> So, anyway, so go ahead. Summing up, dinner party, comment. So they're sitting down eating, and guys like starting to worrying about what's happening. Power's going out, and he's looking for a phone with service, and uh, he can't have any service on his phone. His phone is the screen is cracked for some reason. Yeah, it just cracks in her hand. Right, and they oh, noticed she was in the car in the beginning. Yeah, right, right. Oh no, all I the did. power goes out. Yeah, right, right. So again, it's like the plus one. Right. So the, the power, power goes, goes out, out, and they can't see anywhere. Right. But this house across the street, like two blocks up the road. And so they, they go to this house to try to use the phone because the guy had mentioned that his brother is a, what do you say? He some was sort a, of scientist. Some, some sort of scientist. And he said that if there anything weird happens, just stay inside and give me a call as soon as you can. So Yeah, don't go outside, but which right. is kind of contradicting. Right. He's right. like, if you can't get a hold of me, find a way somehow. Yeah. So they go to the house. They end up coming back. Guy is bleeding from the head. He's kind of in shambles. Disheveled. Yeah, disheveled. And um, they're like, what happened? What'd you see? What happened? And, you know, he's just trying to get himself together. And eventually he he, he comes out and says that he he had saw himself. Pretty much had seen the same scene that was going on in their house. The same people. But a different location. Which was... It blew my mind when I first heard that. I right. was like, oh shit, what? <laughs> well, yeah, they don't really explain it right away because he's like afraid to tell him because he's afraid they won't believe him. Right. And it's like him and this other Ari guy go out there to do, to have, to like figure it out. And Ari doesn't even know. Like, cause he went around the other side of the house. Right. And that's when shit went wrong. And he's like, what the fuck? Like, I don't understand. Um, but then when he tells them nobody believes him, they think he's fucking an asshole and trying to play a joke or something. But they had, well, the other guy that was with him had said that he put down a box. And the other guy was like, I That's don't right. remember bringing a box with me. I have no idea what you're talking about. But so he grabbed it and bring it back with him to the house. And they, that's when you're saying the guy o- tries to open in the box and he yeah. does it in like two seconds. With yeah, like he's like, oh, I can't believe clip. that worked. Yeah, with a fucking He's a locksmith. Clip. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And then they find that there's pictures of them inside this box with numbers on the back. And they're trying to decipher what this means. Yeah, now they're thinking that they're being like, like people are trying to kill them. Right. They don't believe this guy that it's them. So they think it's just people fucking with them. And so they're like, why is there numbers on the back of this? And then the guy who got hit in the head, who saw himself or the people that he would, you know, see, 
are the same people that are at the party right there. He's like, I saw this at the party. Right. I saw our party at that house. He decides that they're going to take it back or something like that. Or what, 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 Oh, no, they didn't take it back. But they're going to go send a note, take a note. Yeah, and over, put a note on their door. Put a note say, on their door. Right. So that note, as he's writing the note, they hear someone knock on the door. They open the door to find out who it is. And the exact same note that he was just writing before he even got out of the house with it is on the front door. Right. Oh. And it's like verbatim, the same words, the same, same writing, writing, everything. everything. So it's like kind of crazy. Like you start to go, what the fuck is going on? And they, the way that they wrote this story and the way that they do the movie is that they, there's like different choices in the movie that these people make. Right. And they make that very evident. They the make beginning. it very clear so that there's all these different types of situations that, that could be one different. girl, dude. The, remember the girl that was that guy's ex-girlfriend that she had brought to the dinner tar- party for some reason when his current girlfriend is there? Their friend Ari, the bald guy, right, brings the, his ex ex girlfriend or whatever, right, to the party as his own date. And she was salty, such a like salty bitch, but she right. was like you know kill him with kindness kind of where it was like a grandma. Mm, no, burn. she was a real bitch. No, she was a real. bitch. She fucking makes fun of that girl for not being able to become because okay. like uh, one of the main characters guys is a woman who was a dancer, and she's like, I thought you were a dancer, and she's supposed to be dancing or something like that, and she's like, Yeah, well. I was supposed to be, I made this play and I did this big dance production and, you know, they took away the main spot for me and gave it to this really famous dancer and I couldn't do anything about it. And they told me that I could be her understudy, but she took too long I, to I had too that. much pride. I didn't want to say yes right away and be agreed to it. So they gave my understudy to somebody else. And then that sh- and the girl that was supposed to play the part that took my spot to begin with backed out at the last second so the understudy became famous right and she became this big hit and yeah like, dance and, and, and that everything. chick is all like oh so she pretty much like stole your life yeah like who would say cunt. that dude like such a cunt yeah dude like i'd be like spitting her face like oh, yeah dude i wouldn't be polite about that i'd no. throw fucking wine or whatever the fuck they were drinking dinner party is over yeah it's like i'm gonna stab your fucking head now yep you just don't say shit like that. <laughs> like, but she fuck. did it. Oh, she did it so cavalier. You know what I mean? Like yeah, like she's stupid, nothing. but she's doing it on purpose. Right. Um. But anyway, it slowly unravels, and you start to come to terms that, like, one of the things that they do is they all had like one of the, when the lights went out, one of the guys had a bunch of boxes of uh, glow sticks. Glow sticks. Yeah. And he had three different colors. There was like a blue, a red, and a green. Mm-hmm. And they popped open the blue. Well, as they start to run into themselves, they realize that there's an image of themselves, another person like them, who's scared and freaked out by them doing that, that they, they're wearing a different color, like red. And I don't want to get too far into it. I just want to mention those two things. Right. But let's just say the door gets kicked wide the fuck open. Oh, dude. So things get really crazy. And one of the main girls, the main girl who's in, this, in the movie... She starts to kind of get grasp, like why this is happening before anybody else. Right. But by the time she's realized, she realizes that the people that she was originally with are no longer the same people. Right. And I don't. I really don't know what else to say without fucking giving anything away. It was right. so fucking good. 
And I really wish Mike would have watched this movie because it's something he could have sunk his teeth into. Damn it. I will watch it, though. I want to see it. You really should. I think you would really enjoy it. Yeah, I think it's, 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 it sounds very it's cool. It's like intellectual, kind of like, I don't know, cerebral. It's very cerebral, like, yeah. yeah. It's really smart. It's really... And the way that you would have to write it, you would have to think about all these different aspects. And like directing it on top of it would who just was, be... Do we know who the writer was yeah, for that movie? Well, I know who the director was. It was a director James and writer James Ward... Berkit, B-Y-R-K-I-T. He wrote the screenplay uh, for the movie Rango. Country Bears. Do you know the one Johnny Depp did? It was like an animated oh, movie. Oh, Django. Oh, not Django. Rango. Rango. Oh, yeah. The where he played the, uh, gecko. Yeah, he was playing a gecko that was kind of like Hunter S. Thompson, essentially. Oh, is it like a Western kind of thing? I think so. It right. wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. I've it never seen a, the trailers for it, but I never watched it. Was it was okay. I mean, but it, that, he wrote that. He also was writing for the movie, the upcoming movie. I guess they're doing like a Muppets Fraggle Rock. Really? So, it's Jim Henson's Fraggle Rock, so... It could be interesting. I don't, yeah, I wonder what they would do with that, but it's interesting to know that he's the same director and he did this movie. Right, So, right. it's like, generally, when you typically direct and write a movie, this is kind of more in line with what you want to do. It's one of his first movies. It just seems like one of those films that you like. His like... first own directed, written, like, independent movie. And that that's amazing. I get just a little golf clap for you. Yeah. Great. <laughs> but yeah, Great. no, it is I, I really like the movie. It's kind of in line with like the uh invitation or Oh for sure. Um uh, it's just way better in a way. Uh I I don't know. I think the acting is not as good as in the invitation, maybe. Just slightly. No, just slightly, but the cinematography was definitely better in the invitation. I yeah, really grabbed yeah. onto oh, yeah. that. It's definitely if you like that mind trippy warp, but this this <laughs> comment comes over Shit goes haywire. They pretty essentially get put into a chamber of a roulette wheel. Yeah, a paradox and almost. A paradox. They're basically, every choice they make can be shot into a new variable. Which is great because it happens in the movie. It's like they keep, <clears throat> if they they mention Schrodinger's cat, by the way. Right. It's kind of like an explanation of what's happening I heard they incorrectly them. referenced Schrodinger's cat. Really? Well, it's something I read online. I mean, granted, like I said, I didn't really? watch the movie, but I read that they they didn't understand, as far as the writing, that what the whole concept behind Schrodinger's cat was. But yeah, I don't know if it's if they mismarked it, the Schrodinger's cat, because I haven't like. I mean, I find it interesting, but it's not. I don't know. It's interesting, but yeah, I understand what you're saying. All right, and last but not least, we're going to go into another movie that is a kind of a hidden '80s gem, in a way. Yeah, Night of the Crossdresser. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh no, that was last Tuesday. I, I had some extra money to spend. Yeah. I got paid. Uh, it's Night of the Comet, but that came out, that movie came out in 1984, and uh, I'll just give you guys a synopsis and who directed it. Um, a comet is passing by, and everyone is celebrating it like it's a New Year's Eve event, right? It's like when, a big thing. Yeah, it's like a huge thing. Yeah, they're celebrating it. And when it passes over, it wipes everyone out on the planet and turns them into red dust. And the few that do survive happen to be these young kids, these teenager girls, who are sisters. And they have to face those who were slightly affected. They weren't necessarily outside when it happened, but they were in, you know, exposed to the radiation, I yeah. guess, from the comet. So they're slightly affected and turned into mutants, like mutant zombies. Yeah, the science wasn't too clear in this movie. No, it doesn't need to be, though. It yeah. It's 80s. a movie about a comet causing zombies. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, how much scientific <laughs> can you... 
Well, they didn't they say what was the dust left in the body. Well, they didn't cut their calcium. genitalia off and, it was and drink like, some liquid. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible, yeah. It was a cigar-shaped comet, and people cut their genitalia off and wanted to ride the space comet. Do you <laughs> I mean, know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about that? Right? You don't know what I'm talking about right? with that? What are you talking about with the, uh, uh, like, Heaven's Gate or something? The, I don't remember what it was, but it was the that, that cult. Yeah, it might be Heaven's, Heaven's Gate. Gate. Yeah. Where they all bought those really slick Nikes and then uh, all fucking... And they cut did... their genitals off. Some of them did. They did? Yeah, they wanted to go up on the spaceship. <laughs> That's what it cost them? I don't yo, know. Yo, yo, this is an e-ticket ride. My e-ticket, yeah. I mean two testicles and a dick. Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to go into the genitorium? <laughs> genitorium. <laughs> <laughs> you just hear a chopping block back there. <laughs> some <laughs> some old lady with a yeah. poncho is in the back. <laughs> Gordon Ramsay's back there fucking... <laughs> You're fired! You're fucking lazy! <laughs> <laughs> you call that a genitalia? <laughs> it's got so much salt in it, I might be sucking it, or whatever he says. I don't know. Bad, bad. Uh, I wouldn't feed that to my dog. <laughs> no, but there is no genitalia cutting off in this movie. That's um, right. It is directed, however, by director and writer Tom Ebhart, who was the director for Soul Survivor, huh. which has a fucking kick-ass movie poster for it. It's essentially about... Uh, a woman who's a sole survivor of some tragedy. I think it's a plane crash. And death is literally chasing her, kind of like Final Destination. Oh, dude. But zombies, like dead people, try to come get her. Hmm. But the cover, if you guys can look this up, it's S-O-L-E, Survivor. So, like a shoe? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, basically, uh, when he wrote this film, he was asked, uh, the Night of the Comet movie from 1984, he'd asked real teenagers to see what they would do in the apocalypse, like, if it happened, because apparently he was just old, and he couldn't figure it out. You know, he wanted to ask the kids, though, to see, what you would know, you do? what would you do? And they were like, oh, go to the mall, I don't know, drive around, don't steal police car, right. <laughs> shit like that, so. <laughs> I mean, I like some of the special effects that were in there, there wasn't many. But uh, the ones that were in there were actually pretty well done. Yeah, it wasn't like over the top stuff. No, it wasn't over the top at it's, all. It's a very low key kind of flick. I think the best part of the film was, what was her name? Uh, the main actress chick, Catherine Mary Stewart. Oh, God. Kath- she's Kath- still Jane smoking Way. hot to this day. Let yeah, me tell she's you. pretty hot looking older lady. She kind of reminds me of, um, uh, what's her name? Kathy Ireland. Right, and she was in a couple of the great movies like Last Starfighter and Oh shit, uh, she was in Bernie uh, Weekend of Bernies, that's Last what it was, and the Last Starfighter. Those are the two big ones. Last Starfighter is fantastic. And then Robert Beltran, who was also in Star Trek Voyager, yeah, uh, he's in it. He plays the Cholo supposedly. Yeah, like I was reading on it, I'm like, he's a Cholo in this. Chicote. Like, but he's like the like most Ch- like Chitole. 80s like cool guy you know but yeah Beltran's pretty funny like I actually I thought he was a good actor in it he he does that part where he pulls up to the gate where the uh, oh where he's dressed like a shit kicker right yeah cause essentially what happens guys is that all these girls these two sisters they try to survive they've basically stayed one of them stayed into a lead wall um theater somehow that they survived in they didn't get exposed to she didn't uh, and then her sister stayed in some shack in the back of her yard and, and survived. It makes no sense. 80s logic. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but appara- <laughs> But the funny thing is about this movie is that there's a lot of famous people who have shown credence to it, like Joss Whedon. Oh, I, I don't doubt it, dude. He actually said that he credits this movie 
as the influence to the 1992 film Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Really? And the really? TV show, yeah. Because of the, the two female leads, kind of Valley Girls? Yeah. yeah I, I, I can so. see that. I can see that for sure. Yeah, because they were kind of, she was just kind of dumb, but she was like kind of kick ass in a way, like the one girl. The, the cheerleader chick. Yeah, not too bright, but in the way, kind of the chosen one. Right. I, I'm, I'm not speaking on behalf of Night of the Combat. I'm talking about Buffy. Her name was, oh, oh, yeah, sure. Kelly right. Maroney was the cheerleader sister. Okay. She played the Valley Girl, and I'm pretty sure that's where she got it from because there's a scene where her and her sister are shooting like a Mac 10. Oh, I mean, the Uzi. No, it's a Mac 10. Because she says in it, she's like, I mean, I remember it. Uh, she's like, she's she was literally pulling on it, like to to reload it because it, it kept jamming, getting jamming, it? right? Oh, okay. And and that really happened in the movie. In fact, the director was like, if it happens, just run with it. And Kelly, the girl that played the cheerleader thing, she was like, see, this would have never happened if da- if we would have had the Uzis or had Uzis like Dad always wanted us to have. <laughs> and she just threw that in. And it was just like, it was actually true around that time in 84. Apparently, Uzis were a better made product than the Mac 10s. Right. What was that other scene you were talking about where they were in the uh, the radio station and she was flipping through the vinyls and she threw that one over her shoulder? Didn't oh, she? it's from the movie Valley Girl. Right. It's the soundtrack to Valley Girl. She throws the record over her shoulder and I'm always like, oh, don't, what do you, no, don't throw it. <laughs> you know, like in the back of my head, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Turns out that movie that she threw or that, that record yeah. was like a very expensive soundtrack that was very sought after. So I thought that was funny though, but it made me cringe a little bit. Like, oh, don't, don't, don't throw the vinyl like that. <laughs> yeah. Something else I noticed too about the flick is uh, in regards to the soundtrack. I heard a lot of like really famous fucking songs in it. Oh yeah, well they had a uh, uh, Cindy Lauper. Yeah, it. for sure. I right. just was surprised. I was like, oh shit, that's cool. It sounded very eighties like, but I don't remember any of the songs. Everything was shot in L.A. and they made it look so desolate. Right. They did it such a brilliant job of making it just seem just like a wasteland. Well, and you know it's a funny story about that too is that when they were shooting the film, you know the scenes where they like show the empty streets. Oh yeah. yeah. They literally shot that as early as they could in the morning when people were going to try to catch the red light. So they were stuck at the red light behind the hill <laughs> and made it. And then they put this like red tone right. in the sky to make it look like it's fallout in a way. Yeah. Or dust is blowing around from all so the dead So it just kind of worked in their favor. Right. But but the, they had to rush to shoot those parts in the early morning of LA. Can you imagine that? Oh, dude. It has to be insane. There's some people that say in like the goofs section about the movie that if there really was an apocalypse like that where there was fucking like a comet, the streets would be have accidents all over them. Oh. And there's not one. They they talk about it in the movie too. They're like, oh yeah, you can just ride down the road for about 110 miles an hour without even coming across anything. <laughs> Beltran says that. Remember? Yep. Then he beams up and Janeway gives him a good fucking. <laughs> He's got that little shit on his face, a little tribal, <laughs> a digital thing. Um, you to Vok. But yeah, like um, as the as the story progresses, there's not a real deep plot here, guys. They 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 hear the radio in the car, and they think someone's there live. They go there, they meet Beltran. His character, anyway, is not Beltran, but you know what I mean, right? Then one of the girls starts talking on the radio just randomly, and the scientists that are in a think lab. <laughs> or a think tank uh, of scientists. Think room. They they hear them and then they go out and uh, they send up these scientists, which they think they're going to help them, but really they're just trying to like take over their bodies. 
so that they can find a cure. Like there's one uh, part that I really like and she's like, you're crazy. And he's like, I'm not crazy. I just don't give a fuck. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember that. That's good stuff. I was dude. like, what the fuck? It was so, it, that guy's acting was weird. Yeah. Like he had an air about him, but it's like it just had bad timing or something. I don't know. But I just, I just thought it was kind of interesting because it feels like one of those movies that kind of paints a really good world on a cheap budget. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, I don't go into it expecting uh, Shakespeare. No, but... I mean, it's it's kind of like a seven, maybe. It's six and a half. Yeah, it, six it, and a half, seven. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's it's fun. It's like grab a few beers, grab some popcorn, hang out with your friends, throw it in. Right. And you not know, really even pay attention I think back in, yeah. the, back in the day, that painted a really cool picture for people, whereas now we're kind of spoiled with shit. Oh, yeah. And there's so many more tricks to film now that they can do, so they can do so much more visually. But this movie, I think, did a lot with what little it had. Oh, oh, another Shit. thing, too. Th- uh, uh, speaking of it, uh, me needing to get off my ass, that short film I've been working on. Oh. That I never finished cutting because I'm a lazy bastard. This has a comment in it? <clears throat> well, it's about the, this guy goes into the desert because there's a meteor shower. Oh, okay. And he finds a meteorite. Because that's actually what it is. I mean, Oh, that's one. The one that Ryan was in. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. when it actually comes down, because I think it's a comet what's in space. And then it's uh, when it breaks up the atmosphere and winds up on the on the planet surface, it becomes a meteorite. Okay, if I'm correctly. And then the guy he's looking for meteorites, and he finds this this weird AI device that's uh, something else. Okay, so yeah. it does kind of fit in that category. Although, like, I'd love to sh- show you guys, but it's I've I watched you- it. Yeah, I, I haven't finished cutting it because I'm a lazy bastard. I watched the the biggest cut you have for it. Yeah, the biggest cut. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely interested in seeing that, dude. It's one of those things. Like, I like, I love, love, love writing. I love writing. Right. And directing is like a lot of fun, and doing the effects and all that kind of stuff is fun. But once you get into cutting, like, I didn't want to give anybody else the, the creative control to cut it because I know there's a lot you can really alter the film's direction by cutting. Right. You should so just I, give it to somebody now. I, well, I I could give it to Ryan. Ryan could probably cut the whole thing in like a day and a half because he's fucking fast. He's but, a beast. But I don't want to just be like, hey, Ryan, I'm lazy bastard. Here, pick up the slack. Yeah. Figure it out, dickhead. <laughs> yeah. Here you go. Yeah. So I'm uh yeah, I'm gonna start getting off my ass and start cutting it again. But oh, you should, anyways, man. anyways. No, it's cool though. I can't think of any other comet movies. I mean, I'm sure there is, like I said, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Oh, for That's sure. That's more of like a spaceship and Night of the Creeps has that element where a little creature pours out the blob. But I think the ones we've kind of talked about for the most part have passed over, except for the plus one. That was yeah. the only one that landed out of the movies we talked about, really. Well, that and the the Stephen King um Short story and creeps, creep show. Okay. So, but yeah, man, if you guys see a fucking comet outside, you're all gonna fucking die. All right, just want <laughs> you to know that if you start seeing doppelgangers of yourself, just have sex with yourself because it's the only opportunity you're gonna get. Yeah. Really? So, like, experience it. And it's not yeah, gay, it's okay. It. You know? <laughs> it's Don't okay. close your eyes. It's Don't go to gay. sleep. Invite him in for a drink. See what right, happens. Right. Yeah, only a man knows what a man wants. <laughs> But yeah, no, not that we have any problem with it, but you know, apparently if you have a doppelganger, you're supposed to treat it right or things could go poorly. Yeah. And what we've learned from these films. To meet yourself is to like meet God, you know? That's what they say Just in one of the movies. It. Yeah. It's pretty deep. Like <laughs> Imagine if you could jerk yourself off right, in a different dude. way. Right, in a different way. <laughs> Self-Dutch rudder. Yeah. This is the future, people. You're just like looking at each other like this. <laughs> right, right, right in each other's eyes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You like that, huh? This isn't wrong, because it's me. <laughs> <laughs>
still considered masturbation at that point. We had to finish it with this, I guess. Uh, We didn't have a lot of dick jokes, so... Uh, I was making up... Oh, yeah, we didn't make any masturbation jokes. Yeah, we did. We had a couple. I think that was three right there. I think we stopped counting, because we just kind of... Yeah, I think we just... It's stupid now. We're pretty smart. (laughs) Guys... Uh, thank you for stopping by. Thank you, Tony, for coming by. If you listened all the oh, way yeah, through dude. here, brother, we appreciate it. Um, I'm going to go ahead and end the show here with a track from Tony, actually, um, by his band called Left by Snakes. So check that out now. And be sure, I put some links down below for you to, to basically add Tony and all his groups and some of his music and everything. So please give that a listen and check it out. But oh, Don't forget, a uh, Horror Shot Contest. Oh, yeah, oh, don't yeah. Uh, Give me a reason to throw up in a trash can. Yeah, if you can make Mike puke, you'll probably win. But yeah, just come up with something, guys. Like, we're, we understand that it's, uh, you know, it's, you, you take a little bit of time to think about this stuff, but it doesn't have to be good. Like, if you can just make us puke, even, like, that's, you know, we're like, cool with that. <laughs> Please don't make us puke. Yeah, well, I mean. Please no bodily fluids in the uh, shot. But if you like what we're doing or you don't like what we're doing, just uh, like uh, James Gunn said, if you hate what we do, post us on your, your worst enemy's page. Yeah, just let them know. Tell us how much we suck. Yeah, yeah, be like, these guys suck. I hope you hate it too. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you guys for coming by. Yeah, have Later, a good guys. one, guys. Have a good one. Because it's got out in the nightmare.